You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, as well as uh, The Mandalorian, Jedi Fallen Order, Clone Wars, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. Uh, but today we're back with another installment of our Star Wars Saga film commentaries. Uh, we're going to be watching A New Hope and uh, talking through that. Um, so, uh, yeah, without further ado, I'm your host, Kyle, and as always, I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? Great, great, great. Yes, great is indeed the word, <laughs> because I'm excited about this one. Yes. Because we're going into the original trilogy now, and this will be the set of films where we don't have, at least for me anyway, I know you guys <laughs> do for, most, for the most part, where we don't have that memory of seen it for the first time or I you do. know experience it when it came out i'll, I'll say that definitely <laughs> when it first came out all right we weren't I, alive so well, well yeah well when it first came out yes but i remember when i first saw it and i have i and for those those who might have been, i won't tell i'll save it for when we get into the movie but i have a very distinct a new hope story but that's different compared to the other films in the original trilogy so i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to hear your guys reaction tim you might already know i'm not I sure if I kyle do. knows <laughs> Maybe I don't. I don't know. Well, we're about to find out. But uh, yeah, like you said, Tim, it's exciting to finally be into the original trilogy. Um, And uh, yeah, this will be fun because honestly, for me, I mean, it's been a little while since I've watched these. Um, And obviously it's not because I don't like them. It's probably because these are the Star Wars movies that I've watched the most and I just kind of know them by heart. And when I feel like watching a Star Wars movie, I tend to go to the newer ones. Um but it's always fun to come back and revisit these. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to have uh, some really great commentary discussion talking about all the things we love about uh, episodes four, five, and six. Totally. And just, you know, our experiences with watching it in that era that we kind of grew up when we didn't see it for the first time in theaters and knowing what the fandom was like back then. So yeah, for all three of them of the original trilogy, it's going to be fun kind of going into a different perspective than what we've done in our commentary before with the prequels and rogue one and solo so yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah definitely oh you know what um hang on before we start you guys can keep talking if you want i gotta go back to the menu and turn my subtitles on i forgot about that well if we're gonna talk if 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 this is gonna be the recording for people to hear us talk then let me just fill up that space here for you kyle um no a new hope is one of those films it's not it's not one of my favorite 
I'm gonna go ahead and say that right now. It's not one of my favorite Star Wars films. I mean, Star Wars is my my one of my favorite things in, in this universe, but uh, it's not. This film specifically is not my favorite within Star Wars, and there's reasons for that. And again, it kind of ties into my connection to the other films, and you'll all kind of see why. It's interesting. I'm curious what Kyle thinks about w- w- when he hears all this. So, but yeah, Tim, A, a New Hope. This is gonna be. You know, it's all for me. It's going to be all downhill from here because I think the next, you know, the next uh, films we 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 talk about are going to be pretty crazy, in my opinion. Um, This one is going to be interesting, I think, in a sense to where it's an we are different compared to all the people. You know, a lot of other fans that that grew up with this movie. You know, I I grew up with this movie, but in a different way than some other people. Just like how you know, obviously we weren't alive and didn't experience it in the theater like a lot of people did before us. So it's uh, we're like the we're basically the second generation Star Wars fans, and we're mm-hmm. entering we're we're entering into the next uh, we're entering into the uh, into the, in that kind of that mindset that you know a lot of people like us. Obviously, there's like there's like what? How many generations of Star Wars fans are there? Like. Phew, Four, four? <laughs> yeah, yeah, four, probably. yeah, four. Because you know, generations every ten years, right? And Something tech- like that. And I think with we're... Star Wars, it's a little different, just because of the different sort of eras of content and stuff that we have. But that's yeah. true. Um, and we're yeah, the be... generation that showed, you know, Star Wars can be generational, where it wasn't just yeah. a picture for that period of time. And we could, we grew up just loving it, like everyone else who first saw it in 1977 and 1980 and 83. So yeah, and. It, it just paved the way for future generations as well after us, which is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, I'm even in probably a little bit different of a generation than you guys are. Cause I'm a few years younger than you. And I'm kind of in that generation of people that grew up on the prequels as kids, like Phantom Menace came out when I was eight, but I had already been watching the original trilogy on VHS dozens of times since I was probably four or five. Um, and so I'm kind of in that middle ground where I'm like the age group of the the prequel generation kids, but I was into the original trilogy way before that. Um, but yeah, this is going to be fun. So um, I'm ready when you guys are. I've got my subtitles all ready to go. I'm ready. So, all right. Well, I, don't no, I don't. I don't need no stinking subtitles though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know all. We know all the lines by heart. And, yeah, I mean that's even true. When we're <laughs> but, Ooh, man. Tim with the killing blow. <laughs> well, to be fair, I got the subtitles on anyway, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't believe in subtitles. Unless, never mind. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, I, I, what's going on? Yeah. Well, as always, if you guys have listened to these commentaries before, and uh, especially if you've watched the movies along with us and listened to the commentaries while the movie's playing, uh, you know, we always skip through the opening like 20th Century Fox home video or whatever and uh, the, the FBI warning and all that stuff. So we're on the title on the disc of the main movie itself. So if you pause the movie, it says zero, zero out of 204. Um, we're all paused there. We're set and ready to go. And we're yep. going to start on Punch It, as always. So uh, let's go ahead and start in three, two, one, Punch It. And the 20th Century Fox logo is back. <laughs> it was gone for the last two episodes. Will it come back for the sequel trilogy eventually? Hmm? Uh, I, I don't it. think so. <laughs> well, I mean, Disney does own Fox now, but I know, I know. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All right. So can I can I start this off with my uh, New Hope story? No, you can't. 
You suck. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, again, Cal, I'm not sure if you know this, um, but basically, uh, growing up with Star Wars, what I I only grew up with um, Empire and Jedi. I, I grew up watching those on a regular basis. You know, but, I think maybe you did tell me this. Okay, so for people who don't know, A New Hope is, or growing up, I, I the only thing I can remember as a kid from like, I can, the earliest memories I know are watching Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi with my family. And, you know, and I'll, I'll get into more of those stories later, but basically I grew up just watching those movies religiously. Those two only. So for growing up from what the earliest I can remember, maybe like three, four years old, again, I'm, I don't know for sure how old I was, but I was pretty young. I remember watching Star Wars like crazy. Star Wars to me was only two films, Empire and Jedi. And I can remember like it was yesterday, and I'm not lying. We're sitting in the car, and my, my brother, me, my mom, my dad, we're all driving to get dinner somewhere, and I'm just kind of doing my thing, and my mom looks at me and goes, hey, the first Star Wars movie's on tonight, Paul. I went, oh, Empire Strikes Back? And she goes, no, the first one. I was like, huh? I had no idea there was a third Star Wars movie. And she said, yeah, there's three movies. You haven't seen the first one, I don't think. I was like, huh? I I was in kindergarten. So I was pretty, you know, with it for the most part. And I'm like, wait, 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 huh? A third Star Wars movie? And like, yeah, I'm like, well, who's in it? Like, well, 3PO, you know, because I love the droids. 3PO and R2 are in it. I'm like, awesome. Luke's in it. I'm like, great. Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I'm, and I'm like, well, what about Yoda? No, Yoda's not in it. What about Lando? Lando's not in it. I could not fathom a Star Wars movie without Lando or Yoda. <laughs> and um, I've got to say, you know, watching it was like, just kind of like, oh, they're on Tatooine. And like, you know, I mean, so it was a really weird experience to watch this movie when it was it was the third movie I had seen, so basically, the, the, A New Hope is the first prequel I ever saw, <laughs> and it's it, that's it, crazy. It, yeah, it is crazy, and I'm not I'm not lying. That's one hundred percent the truth, and that's why I don't hold this movie I think as in such a loving way as other other Star Wars fans do because it wasn't my first introduction to Star Wars. It was only, it was my third essentially. I mean, I loved it. I watched it like crazy. But when I was a kid, I was all about the Tatooine scenes, and I would always stop it once they leave Tatooine, which I did a lot with Return of the Jedi too. I just huh. love Tatooine for whatever reason. But so, but yeah, for whatever reason, I I loved it. And I watched it a ton with Empire of Jedi, but I didn't love it as much as the third. It was always my least favorite of the three. And. Uh, yeah, so I, I always joke that uh, A New Hope is my first Star Wars prequel. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I can definitely see how this one wouldn't be your favorite if this was like the third one that you were introduced to. Um, honestly, for me, I can't remember even the order that I first watched them. And I assume at Same least for me, I, yeah. <laughs> I hope that my dad showed them to me in chronological order. Um but I mean, Paul, if you were in kindergarten at the time, I was probably a little bit younger because I think I saw Star Wars the first time when I was four. And I don't have a memory of watching it for the first time. The only reason I remember that is because 
uh, my grandmother used to take picture, you know, take a ton of pictures at, you know, all kinds of family events and stuff, and, and especially Christmas time. And she would always write the dates on the back of these pictures. You know, this was back in the day when you'd go and get your film developed at CVS or whatever, and then, you know, get the packet of pictures and she'd write the dates on the back of all of them. And I, so I have, uh, there's a picture somewhere that my parents probably have now of me playing with my first Star Wars toys that I got for Christmas. Um, and it was the Christmas cause my birthday's in January. So I was four going on five and this would have been like the Christmas of 1995. Um, and I was playing oh, with, that was, the, those, those are the first star Wars toys that I ever got. So I assume that that was the first year that I, that I saw it, but I don't have a memory of watching any of the movies for the first time, which is like one of my few regrets as a star Wars fan. Like at, at the same time, I'm glad that it's like, I can barely remember a time before star Wars and that I've grown up with it for so long and loved it for so long. I have no regrets about that, but I do, I, I'm kind of envious of people that have like that one clear memory of, Oh, this is how much it blew me away when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. I, I feel the same way because I mean, just this whole opening sequence is the definition of iconic. I mean, we're well into it now, but the Star Destroyer chasing the Tantive Four. I mean, I can even though I, like you said, I don't have that memory of seeing it for the first time. I just when you watch it, you know how that could that blew everyone away who saw it for the first time in 1977, and then just seeing the battle between the stormtroopers and the rebels and Darth Vader's entrance just you know immediately knowing how menacing he's going to be so this so iconic this opening it's still one of my favorites of the entire saga but yeah i don't have that memory either of seeing any of the original trilogy movies for the first time they were just always there i, I remember watching them as a young kid but i don't have that specific memory of the first time i saw each one of the original trilogy and i totally understand where you're coming from kyle where it is kind of that one maybe little small regret where we don't have that memory of saying Oh, I remember when I found out Darth Vader was Luke's father for the first time. What a shock that was. To me, it's always been that way. So little things like that. I know exactly what you mean, but you just understand why those moments are so iconic and have resonated for, you know, over 40 years now, especially when we're talking about New Hope. So, yeah, so much good stuff just in this opening sequence. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of why I said for me back when we did the Revenge of the Sith commentary, when, uh, you know, just that opening shot of the space battle, like that's the shot in this movie that everybody says, oh, I remember being a kid and sitting in the movie theater. and That first shot of the Star Destroyer going overhead just, you know, blew me away. Like, that's my moment for Revenge of the Sith, because I remember that clear as day. Um, But yeah, as far as the original trilogy, it's just always been there for me. R2 has some great dialogue, even though we don't know what he's saying, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. reaction to it is so great. But, um, and, and you two know, of it, the most important characters in star Wars right there, those Imperial gunner. <laughs> yep. They could have ended the whole thing real quick. But there I mean, at be... the same time though, you, you can't really blame them. Like if there's scanning and there's no life forms aboard, like they, I don't know. Don't you, you think they would have been bored just sitting there scanning and hey, let's just shoot it anyway. You know, <laughs> there's no life forms. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's. I can kind of see it both ways. Like, yeah, maybe they could have assumed there was a droid aboard or something, or somebody just tossed the escape, or tossed the plans in an escape pod. But also, I'm sure you're probably looking for people and captives and stuff like that. So, and this is one of those scenes right here as Darth Vader's talking to Princess Leia that I think. Rogue One just adds another layer to when you hear Darth Vader saying about Rebel spies being several transmissions to the ship and 
we know what Vader just went through <laughs> before mm-hmm. he boarded the Tantive Four and took out all those rebel soldiers. So part of the reason why I love when prequels just add stuff to movies we've known for so long. You just think back to it when you see moments like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely adds a, a great layer of context. I mean, even when you see the Star Destroyer chasing the Tantive Four at the beginning and you know like what happened right before that and you know all they went through to escape with the plans and uh you know you're just seeing almost a direct continuation of that and just even you know was empire and jedi following this darth vader talking to princess leia i mean back in 1977 where people were watching this for the first time and even through empire where you didn't know that was vader's daughter and then when you look back on it it just like you said adds that other layer of context that just makes it even better when you watch it because when you think about it vader doesn't have really much many scenes with leia or even like conversation that's like the one main conversation they have with each other throughout the course of the original trilogy they're in scenes together later on but never that one-on-one like conversation they had right there yeah that's true i love these shots like a lot love 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 them yeah yeah it's some great scenery the cinematography of this movie is so good so good yeah and definitely does a great job of kind of setting the tone like i mean obviously we know that earth has deserts but i don't know there's something about the locations for tattooing that are just so desolate that like you can also believe that this is a different planet yeah and I think it was kind of important, obviously, to establish that right off the bat and not just make this something where it's like, oh, this, you know, feels like another location on Earth where it's supposed to be, you know, Mars and some cheesy sci-fi movie or something. Like, mm-hmm. They really did a good job of making it feel like a galaxy far, far away. And obviously, there's lots of different locations like the Moss Eisley Cantina and the Death Star and all that kind of stuff that feels, you know, completely foreign. But I mean, even just starting it off right here in this barren desert of course it helps that they added you know the giant crate dragon skeleton that we'll see in a minute but yeah um, but it's still it's kind of like doing a lot with a little type of thing yeah exactly there's hardly anything there but you get to the point across that this is a massive desert planet yeah it's so funny to me that you know when people criticize things in star wars and talk about like the comic relief characters that people don't like and stuff and like just having grown up with the original trilogy and but also growing up in a time period where the original trilogy was like so highly revered and that everybody loved R2-D2 and C-3PO just as much as all the other characters. Like when when people talk about Jar Jar Binks and they say like, oh, well, you know, that was C-3PO back in the day. Like in 77, everybody hated C-3PO and thought he was stupid and annoying. Like that just kind of blows my mind. I'm like, really? Like, and uh, I mean, 3PO is not my favorite character. Um, Watch but, your words wisely, Kyle. I, I am watching my words wisely. <laughs> I'm just All saying, right. All right. you know, some people are droid fans. I'm more of like a Jedi fan, but, uh, you I know. So, you like both equally, you know. Well, I, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I didn't say I dislike C-3PO. I'm just saying he's not my favorite character. But it's That's just, dislike. it's hard for me to imagine him getting the same oh, amount of dislike oh, oh. as Jar Jar Binks. All right, all right. For, for the record, I was here on my honeymoon. I was in this specific spot at Death Valley. Really? That is awesome. Yes. Nice. And it was hot as blazes. <laughs> but it, it was incredible. So that part where they, this all right here, I walked down. My wife was like, I can't do it. She got in the car in the air conditioning. I saw this crease right here. 
and it, it was it was crazy. It was so surreal. I mean, it was 120 degrees out, and I was like gonna die, but I just it was a magical moment. I, mean, I kept expecting it, and I'm not lying. It felt like a Jawa could come out at any time. <laughs> oh, that's cool. that's yeah. really it cool. Was, it must have been worth it, even in that extreme heat. And and you know what we'll have to do sometime, guys. I'm just gonna say it. We're gonna have to do a road trip of like Spider or uh, Spider Man. Sorry, I'm lost Spider Man because Hawk right now. Star Wars <laughs> yes. uh, sites uh, in California. And so hey, I'll do down. Yeah, I would be all about. Can you imagine it's all staying in a hotel and like doing this? I can do it because there's also the Jabba's Palace. Uh, will they walk to Jabba's Palace? Or like it's kind of hard. It's a little harder to find. But it was like that walkway that three P and R two do. It's it's there as well. Yeah. Well, and also from. Phoenix, where I live, if you drive out towards, I think, San Diego, you pass, uh, you, you drive past the sand dunes where they filmed, like, I guess they did some reshoots out there for, like, the Pit of Carcoon stuff in Return yeah. of the Jedi. Yeah. Well, isn't it Buttercup Valley? Isn't that, that's where I heard they, they filmed it at. I don't remember the name of it, but. For years, they left the barge up. Like, it huh. was, yeah, it was, uh, my friend has a photo of his dad and him when he was little. His dad's like he has him in his arms and and his their their mom his mom took a picture of him and his dad like from, from like an like a not aerial but she was like above like the sand or something like that like looking down on both of them looking at the barge down it's kind of a really cool picture and it show it's like they just left it there for years and they didn't take it down until I, I and maybe I'm wrong but I'm pre, I'm almost positive that like it it was there for years and I think it was even like homeless people were using it for a while and they eventually got rid of it because of that reason oh. Yeah, but it was. I, I'm pretty sure we can look it up and, and see it. It was up there for a long time. Heck, I would be homeless just to go live in Jabba's sail barge. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that that's my favorite thing in Star Wars. So yeah. See this Ugh. entire sequence with the droids, you know, C3PO wandering, R2 wandering. This is where I give my dad a hard time about him not being a first generation Star Wars fan because when he saw in the theater. He fell asleep during this whole part. <laughs> so, like I could never let him let him down on that because <laughs> it just goes. I saw him in the theater first. Like I'm the first person. Yeah, but you fell asleep during the movies, though. You kind of lose cred for that. Yeah, and this soon into it, that's sad, man. Yeah, he always said, "Well, I had a long day. I was tired, but still, like after that <laughs> exciting opening, you think you'd uh, get you energized right away and sit through some of the slower, quieter moments, but." <laughs> Yeah. And honestly, I mean, like, I know this was all new and mind blowing for people back at the time, but like nowadays, and especially when you compare it to the rest of the movies, like the first half or so of A New Hope is a little slow. Um, it is. Yeah. But I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just kind of takes its time um, getting things going. And this was obviously during a time when, you know, Star Wars, along with like Jaws, which came out a couple years before this, really kind of pioneered like blockbuster cinema as we know it now um and so even just you know for this kind of action and adventure and special effects and stuff like that had never really been done before so this didn't feel slow to people back then because they were used to like slow dramas and stuff like that did you did you go ahead tim i was gonna say our first you know big new special edition edition or special edition I like addition, I, lo- I should say, but yeah, yeah I, I, I like, I like too. this. Yeah, there, there's this. Speaking of another one, yeah, this is great. Like, I think, I think Lucas was onto something. Now, we all don't agree with, you know, I actually agree with, I'd say like 95% of the stuff he did, to be quite honest. And Me too. I, I don't mind. In fact, you could argue that he's actually genius for doing this because 
he helped reintroduce Star Wars to so many people, and by updating it, all the special effects, it made it more accessible for the younger audience, the next generation, if you will, of people like Kyle, perhaps, connect to it more and be like, oh, it, it looks more modern than maybe that it really it needed to, or it, it was originally, because if he would have put it, just let the special effects in from 1977, it doesn't really hold up as, it, yeah, see, it's the OG and it was groundbreaking for its time, but that's not what he was concerned about. He was concerned about re keeping Star Wars alive and reintroducing and keeping pushing the envelope. Now, yeah. again, well, and not only that, but also wanting to do stuff that he maybe even wasn't able to do at the time, like adding the CG Jabba in this movie. It's like he obviously had shot that scene before the original movie came out and they just didn't have that concept of Jabba the Hutt nailed down yet. Like they had it as a guy and they're like, let's hold right. off on this and wait till we can do it, you know, either as a puppet or CG or whatever. I want to do this big alien monster thing. So we're going to hold off on that. And then in the special editions, he was able to put it back in. So he was able to kind of circle around to some of those ideas or even think like, hey, if I had the technology back then, here's a couple other things I would have added in. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting because with the Jabba part specifically, just the fact that he he always knew he wanted to put something over it like it's just genius what he thought like he could do you know and i just again the genius of george lucas is just is just you know this movie is just uh, it's so it's a special it's on special display thing. in this movie throughout <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and all all the and the detail and just it just it's just so funny how people will just harp on him and you know for the prequels and 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 again like again as you know we're not we are not that we are not that crew you know and and doesn't mean we don't criticize some of things of the prequels but you know obviously Lucas is a friggin' genius and this movie is like the it, it him at its let's be real it's probably him at his highest peak you know and no one no one probably will ever come close to matching something this magical and this original, this creative in Hollywood, maybe in our lifetime, if not ever again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just look at the scene right here, a traveling alien species selling droids to humans. <laughs> I mean, it's just something you've never seen before, but it works so well. And it's just a great little scene that introduces, you know, Luke, uncle Owen. And, you know, we're seeing iconic characters meet for the first time with Luke, R2, and 3PO here and the adventures they go on and the bonds they establish and just it all starts with this scene that plays out really well that happens just to be alien selling some droid. <laughs> it's traveling the desert. This great like sci-fi fantasy stuff that, you know, really gets to the heart of, of the characters though at the same time. So it's just again, you were talking about that genius of Lucas on display. I think this is a small scene right here that shows that. Yeah, and it was crazy for me too. Just, I mean, a couple minutes ago when we saw Luke for the first time, and you kind of have that iconic shot of him just, you know, running across the sand. Um, I think so. The last Star Wars movie that I watched, obviously, the last commentary we did was Rogue One. But uh, between then and now, I also watched The Last Jedi just on my own. Um, I'm sorry. It, it had been. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? Coming. It had been a long time since I watched it, and I was having. I, I was starting to let some more of those negative doubts and thoughts and stuff seep in, and I said, you know what? I need to watch this again on my own before we get to it in our commentary series. And I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It's still not perfect. I still have some issues with it, but we'll get to that when we get there. Um, but so that was the last Star Wars movie that I watched, and seeing Luke where he ends up in that movie and then going back to now and just seeing him as this, you know, fresh faced farm boy who has no idea about the force or the Jedi or Vader. And 
you know, barely just has an inkling of what's going on between the Rebellion and the Empire and thinks that Ben Kenobi is some crazy old wizard that lives in the desert. Like, it's just, you know, it, it's crazy to see, to watch where he ends up and then go right back to the very beginning. And it's going to be really yeah. fun to watch his journey over all these movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to see his journey in the last shit. Done. Yeah. Anyway. All right. That's a whole. That's a whole other. We'll get future. there. We'll get. There. Oh, we're gonna get wait. there. Ooh, <laughs> man, it's, gonna, it's gonna be interesting. No, but you know, it, it's funny. Lucas is not someone. He's not the traditional hero here. You know, it's. It, he is that relatable person. I mean, like, for all the for all intents and purposes, people will argue that you know that there's, Lucas, is the everyman, and that's and that's what makes him so special. And obviously, you know. What I th that is great and it is awesome because we can connect to Luke from from this standpoint. Obviously, he's got revealed later on in the films the myth the the, myth the mythologicalness, if that's a word, kind of takes over, and I love that, and I that's stuff I gravitate towards too. But it is cool to see this in in it by itself in a vacuum is like it, Luke is that everyday person that to, to get you know that is nobody that turns out to be special. You know, I mean, as as much as, you know, we have the the rays and things like that, like Luke is like, I think that original, even though there's always kind of been a hero people can relate to, Luke is that first, I think, mainstream pop culture icon where people, everyone could have been Luke. Anyone could have been Luke and done, you know, could, could, because he represents that person that is that working class. He is that person that's like stuck at home helping his family and doesn't want to be that person. He has aspirations like majority of people when they're young at his age do i mean that's the thing it's not the exact situations it's not who he is specifically but it's it's the ideas of being young and having aspirations wanting to be more than what you are that's what makes luke relatable and that's mm -hmm. what makes him and that's literally lucas from when he's growing up in his you know californian home getting in a car accident and almost dying and being like i gotta be more than what i'm doing now because, yeah, I could race around and chase girls around my small town, but what good is that going to be? Lucas is – Luke, and this is – I'm not the first person to bring this up. Obviously, I'm digging this from a zillion other books and things I've read or whatever. But obviously, Luke is Lucas. And that – but Lucas the, – the, the brilliance of Lucas is that he captured that idea that most of us have when we're younger at Luke's age and Lucas's age between 18 to 20 years old you're doing stuff and you're like, I've got to do something more than what I'm doing. And that's why Luke wants to join the Academy. And that's why he has asked, you know, he's, he's constantly like, Oh, what's out there? What's out there? What's out there? Ben Kenobi, you know, who's this? And, and what's that? He constantly wants to know what's outside his realm because he doesn't want to be there anymore. And Lucas, that's what happened with Lucas. When he got in his car accident, he realized I don't want to be here anymore. There's more to what life is than what I'm doing. And he, and then he started on his road and, and kind of, mistake not mistakenly but he kind of accidentally wound up in filmmaking and here we are so it really is an amazing thing to look at luke and and again i always go back to the brilliance of lucas that like he captures you know he knows what it's like to be a kid because he, he was a kid and he he tuned into those feelings so much in this movie and i i don't know again i don't know if it t it's talked about enough in my opinion and let's might as well give props to right now to Mark Hamill and his performance as Luke that began right here. And, yeah. you know, some people like to say, even Mark Hamill himself, oh, I was like the whiny kid right there. And just by the way, that look Owen and Baru give each other when Luke mentions 
his father. Like that little moment right there where, you know, Lucas had something planned from the get go as far as the family history of the Skywalkers and what was going to happen where they knew the story behind Anakin, but Luke did it. So I always just love that look that Baru and Owen gave each other. But just what a great job Mark Hamill has done, you know, like I said, even though he, this is the whiny version of Luke. And I never had that opinion growing up watching it, even as an adult now, or like Luke just comes off as, you know, a whiny little teenager here. It's just is everything you said right there, Paul, is just that young man wanted to have more in life and not just be stuck. He knows he's meant for more and just be stuck here on the farm in the desert. And this Mark Hamill does a great job of playing the character here and just throughout the course, entire course of the saga, each movie he gives a different performance that shows a different, you know, personality and growth for the character of Luke, even up to the last Jedi. So just Mark Hamill's performances cannot be praised enough throughout the entire saga and the movies that he's in. And it all began right here. I mean, going back to what you mentioned, Kyle, it is hard to picture the Luke Skywalker we're seeing right now, young and naive and just looking for adventure. Then up until we see him as, you know, the bitter old man in the last Jedi, but yet it's a progression that I think overall works extremely well in this course in the story of the saga and this Mark Hamill's performance throughout every film was just top notch and it all began right here. So couldn't let the film go by without giving praise to Mark Hamill and the great job he did portraying Luke and giving a generation of kids a hero that they could look up to and you know continue to view Luke as their hero for for, for a lifetime. And boy, one of my favorite scenes right here, just beautiful. With just no words, the music God, man, my favorite mm-hmm. bit of Star Wars music is right here in the binary sunset and the force theme. I mean, Lucas, this is another of his genius on display in this movie. Just so great of capturing that longing and that yearning for, you know, more to life than what he has on this farm. And just when you look back and knowing what comes ahead for Luke, you just, you know, it just makes it even more special about the journey he's about to take right pretty soon right after here. And I kind of compare it to that scene I said in the Phantom Menace commentary where the Skywalker saga truly begins when Anakin says goodbye to his mother and you get the same piece of force theme music. I kind of have that same feeling here with Luke where his adventure is about to get started right there where he's looking at the twin sons and here in Counter C-3PO he tells them R2 is missing and that sets off a chain of events that will forever change his life. Yeah, for sure. And just real quick, I mean, you were talking about the binary sunset theme and while we're uh, praising Mark Hamill's performance, which is well deserved. We also got to give props to John Williams because, oh yes, I mean, I think maybe even more so than any of the performances or any of the special effects artists or anything like. I think John Williams might be the one person involved in Star Wars aside from George Lucas himself that I'm like I just can't imagine Star Wars being what it is without jo- without John Williams. Uh, without question, yeah. And A New Hope probably is my favorite Star Wars soundtrack out of the entire saga. I mean, it's probably a lot of people's favorites, but because so many iconic themes were first, you know, played here on the score. And just immediately when you hear it, you just you fall in love with it. It's just you cannot help but love the music in pretty much every scene. The music helps, you know, tell the story. And with the visuals that you're seeing, it just so beautifully captures and fits so well with the story and the characters and the action that we're going to see later on. I mean, this is John Wood. I mean, he has a lot of masterpieces, but for me, this is uh, his best right here. Just the iconic themes he had to create for one movie and that, you know, splintered off into, of course, other iconic themes as the films 
go on. But I think so many of those pieces of music and themes that we hear in this movie were just, you know, it's amazing that he was able to do it for this one film. So, yeah, yeah without question, Star Wars wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know that I would say this is my favorite Star Wars score. I mean, I think honestly, like it's kind of a toss up between like any of the three original trilogy and then I guess I'll throw Revenge of the Sith in there, too. But um, it, it's kind of hard not to pick this one. And it's it's kind of the same reason why it's also kind of hard to rank. Like, when I rank Star Wars movies, it's always kind of hard to place A New Hope. Because I always want to put an asterisk by it. And be like, okay, like, A New Hope's not my favorite. But it almost kind of deserves, like, an honorary number one spot for being the one that started everything. You know, like, in any of the other Star Wars scores, there's so many different variations of, like, the Force theme or Leia's theme or anything like that that's, like, that wouldn't have been what it was without A New Hope. Um, And so, yeah, you can say that for the score or just for the movie in general. Like, um, even though, I, I mean, I love just the way that Lucas took some of his ideas and just ran with it and the way that he expanded the saga from here but um i mean this one will always hold a special place in my heart just for being the point where it all started in our first introduction to just this whole wonderful wonderful world of star wars probably the greatest cgi addition out of all this stuff in the original trilogy that's that a extra real rock. nice rock yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that boulder that is a nice boulder oh you guys are probably too old for shrek <laughs> I've seen Shrek. I just don't remember a lot of the lines from it because I haven't seen. Yeah, it. <laughs> my my little brother watched it a ton. He's not. Uh, he's a he's a little bit younger than you, I think, Kyle. You're what? You're twenty seven. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, he's twenty like five, twenty four. So yeah, I, I I saw Shrek quite a bit. The I love the first one. I I did not want to really watch the other ones. The second one was like, eh. But this is a Star Wars show. This is not a Shrek show. <laughs> well, I just had to throw that in there. Shrek commentary is um, coming soon. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, you know, I was going to say, uh, Tim or Paul, I don't know if you've picked up that Myths and Fables book yet. But. Well, thanks to Paul, I do have the Myths and Why? Well, yeah, Tim, I know, I know you have it. I was going to say, and I don't want to go too in depth and spoil it for anybody that hasn't read it yet. But. That was that little moment there that we just saw with mm. with the first introduction of Ben Kenobi has uh, a little bit more of a cool context to it. Oh, yes. And I, even I, though, you know, those stories are billed as myth and la- myth and fables, you know, some of that had to be true. Like it had to be, yeah. be exaggerated on. But well, and not even that it actually there was it, it's not even <laughs> that it actually happened, but it's more like I'm like, oh, maybe the sand people are scared because they've heard that legend, regardless of whether it actually happened yeah. or not. Like with those being in universe stories, it's like, you know, maybe they were like, oh, it's the guy bringing the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I'll be honest. I totally forgot I had that book. I need to I need to finish it, dude. I, well, I, well I okay, have it. you have you read the first story at least? Yeah, yeah, I listened to that. I okay, have the okay. so you probably know so, what we're talking about then. I haven't finished it yet either. I'm taking my time just reading one story at a time. It, it, yeah, they're pretty quick too. I mean, I got through the second one pretty quick. I just keep forgetting about it. I just keep forgetting about it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I have that book, so I need to finish it. Um, yeah, this is a, this was interesting for me when I first saw it because, again, I was going – I had already seen Empire and Jedi so many times. Seeing this was like, oh, everyone's like a you know real person. You know, it's a – it was interesting, you know. I always knew him as a blue go- uh, blue ghost. You were seeing him in the flesh for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it really was. It really was. So, you know, we just got the di- bit of dialogue where Obi Wan says, "You know, that's the name I haven't heard in a long time." 
and just going by the name Ben for almost 20 years here. And of course, the name Ben holds more significance now with Ben Solo, but just the origins of Obi-Wan calling himself Ben. We know there's that little uh, Easter egg or reference in the Clone Wars Reiko Hardeen arc where his code name was Ben when he checked in with the Jedi Council. So it is something that he referred to himself as before, but I am curious to how we got or decided on the name Ben or like a kind of an alias for himself. But I wonder, you know, was maybe a potential Obi-Wan series coming soon? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we'll find out soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll have more. to. Uh, I mean, heck, for all we know, by the time this episode actually goes out, that might have been announced because that's uh, we had D23 coming up this weekend. But um, yeah, enough speculation. We'll save that for our next actual episode. <laughs> Um, but but man, I just, I just to to uh, sort of add on to the praising the performances in this movie, um, Alec Guinness is freaking amazing. Yeah, like he's great. and and Ben Kenobi slash Obi Wan, whatever you want to call him, um, I think is easily my favorite character in this movie, especially after you know knowing what we now know with the prequels and the Clone Wars and everything, and just hearing him tell Luke about his relationship with Anakin and with uh, you know fighting in the Clone Wars and everything. Um, and then passing the lessons on to him that he's learned and uh, teaching him about the force for the first time. And it's just I love like I love his performance in this movie even more now with all the context and the history yes. that's built into it. But it's amazing that I mean, obviously, he didn't know any of that back at the time. <laughs> and It still manages to hold its own just as a performance within a single movie. Um, but then all the stuff that they've added to the lore since then has just made his performance and the character stand out even that much more i mean heck even rebels and you know we're seeing uh him now knowing that just a few years ago he defeated darth maul out in the desert and and uh just all the stuff that he's been through and the fact that he's basically devoted his life now to just you know staying in this scorching hot desert wasteland just protecting luke because of how important he is um but uh yeah it's just such a great character one of the all-time great you know mentor characters in movies yeah and this scene is probably my favorite scene of a whole movie and like you said just even before we got all that history and backstory added to it just how it just got your creative juices flowing or your imagination running wild with the stuff obi-wan's saying talking about the jedi and the, the clone wars we got our first mention of the clone wars and growing up watching this not knowing what that exactly was and now we got you know, hours and hours of Clone Wars stories that we could think back to when Luke asked them, you fought in the Clone Wars? And we could just think mm -hmm. back to many different battles that Obi-Wan went through and Anakin when he calls him a good friend. Just, I just love how you can now think back to specific stories when you see this scene now. It just adds to this, why the scene is so great and just to the lore of Star Wars. And it's seamless too. That's what I, why I think this is the greatest saga and fictional story ever told because everything that we get just keeps adding and adding to what makes it special and like i said it's seamless because when you think about clone wars episodes even though it's even though it's animated it still feels like it's in the same universe the performances are so good the visuals are great the storytelling is top notch like we're seeing in the movies it all just feels like one big gigantic story and when it all comes together in scenes like this and you mentioned Kyle how we Alec Guinness had no idea about anything that we now know but yet his acting just sells it like he did yeah. live through everything we watched in Clone Wars and in the prequels just so great that's why I love this scene so much it just gets better and better with the more context and history we learn about 
you know, the history of Star Wars and the events that took place before this movie. Well, yeah. and with, 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 this, with, with Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and, and I think he easily has become one of my favorite characters because of the prequels and, and McGregor, but Al Guinness does, like you guys all said, a great job of his, with his acting of carrying that weight of what came before him. And there is, I mean, that he does. He, he does an amazing job. And like you said too, uh, Tim, that when he mentions the Clone Wars, you 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 always kind of wonder what is that? What what are those things? And those are the special things that you that again, Lucas put in this movie that just kind of he put the seeds in there, and you just yeah. kind of they're just they you don't know what where they're gonna go with you know with it, but they they just kind of they do mean bigger things down you know whatever. So it's a it's one of those things where the acting and I think he just really, he elevates the writing. The writing's kind of its point is to explain a, certain, a few certain things, but Alec Guinness just takes it another level. And, you know, again, it, it really, it really shows it's what's special, what you McGregor has been able to do to take it away from, uh, not take it away, excuse me, but to basically keep the torch going with Alec Guinness's uh, performances because Everyone loves Ewan McGregor as this character. And with what we're, you know, he's he's basically taken it and made it his own still. And that basically he's done the impossible, which is to basically be that bridge and say, hey, I can continue this character and made it his own. Even though Alec Guinness was nominated for an Academy Award for this performance. Mm-hmm. I mean. And well-deserved. Yeah, well-deserved. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, uh, did he win or did he not win? No, he, he didn't, didn't win. No, but and that's the thing. Like, so you know, the fact that this character has kind of endured all of that, and like, but it all started with the great performance like Alec Guinness, and again, that was even recognized by his peers, the people of the you know in in the, in the industry as getting nominated for an Academy Award. It's pretty special. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have more to add about that too, and and just more praise that I could heap on Obi Wan and Alec Guinness and George Lucas just for, I mean the way that he kind of planted the seeds of, you know, the Clone Wars and the bigger, uh, the larger stories of this universe. And maybe we'll come back to that later. But I think now we got to talk about Vader and the Empire. And, yeah. uh, I mean, we just saw the Death Star for the first time, which, um, yeah, I think that was the first time we saw it, right? It's funny how sort of yeah. undramatic that shot was compared to, like, <laughs> Rogue One, where you get the big dramatic reveal for the first time as they're putting the dish in and everything. Um but I like it. You know, something I never really thought about is the fact that this scene comes right after the scene of Obi-Wan explaining the Force to Luke for the first time. And now we're seeing in the very next scene, Vader using the Force for the first time. And everybody, you, you know, you kind of see That's the opposite point. side of that where all the Imperials are like, oh, yeah, your ancient religion and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we don't believe in that anymore. And then Vader's like, well, believe in this and, you know, be careful <laughs> not to choke on your aspirations. Why was that in the movie? Why wasn't that in the movie? Yeah, but believe in this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that'd be, that's actually great dialogue. I actually want that in the movie now. Well, that's another scene, too, where, you know, little seeds were planted about the bigger, you know, things in the universe. Tarkin name drops the Emperor. But yeah, we the Emperor, the Senate. Another yeah. movie, the Senate, which we don't get until the prequels. Then. Yeah. That just makes you appreciate that conference room scene even yeah, more because when he says, you know, the Imperial Senate or the last remnants of the Senate has been swept away. I mean, we know exactly what he's talking about and how long it took for the emperor to dissolve the Senate, but it all happened right there. So again, just more great stuff that adds to it. I have to admit that I had no idea what the Senate was and it took me like after the prequels. Yeah, me too. I was like, Oh, 
it's like <laughs> it felt like such a throwaway line when you're watching it as a little yep. kid, but now you realize how important it is. Yeah. Well, wait. This, he said he said that the emperor had dissolved the senate, but I thought the emperor was the senate. Oh, <laughs> he dissolved himself. <laughs> oh, this this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and maybe of all Star Wars. And it is it is such a powerful, powerful yeah, right, yeah. scene. And the music yeah. too. Uh, music. The music's beautiful. And uh, again, Mark Hamill doesn't get enough credit for this scene. Just empowering everything. With when after he's yelling his for his aunt and his uncle, and he just is staring at you know what the the the, the torched home and everything, and his and his aunt and his uncle like torched themselves. His face just says it all, and just at the music and just staring at everything. It's it's incredible. It really is. I just the emotion that's just knowing, and the cinematography too of like of of behind when he goes behind and he's just staring at it like that. This means I can't. Again, he can't go back. And again, it's just it's oh, it's great. It's beautiful. Yeah, but you know what I like is the the look of resolve on his face. Like you can yeah. almost see it just there in his expression because he could have broken down crying or freaked yes, out, exactly. and panicked. And I mean, I no! think I think yeah, I think a lot of us, if we yeah. came back and found essentially our parents, you know, burned to a crisp in front of us, you know, it'd probably be a lot more emotional. But it's that's Luke. You know, and you can tell that obviously he's kind of distraught, but at the same time, he's like, okay, Empire, I see how it is. Like, this is right after he told Obi-Wan, like, nah, I can't go with you to Alderaan to help fight the Empire and save the Rebellion. Like, I got to get home for dinner. And then he goes home and he's like, okay, you guys are going to get it now. I love how 3PO is just going to toss some like Jawas like, oh, let me just throw these dead Jawas on this fire. No big deal. <laughs> like they're dead. Those are dead sense. Jawas. He's like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, Luke? They're I'm, burning like, the bodies. I know. He's like, hey, Luke, there's a dead Jawa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's put it here. <laughs> well, I never thought of it like that. but <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I had to say it. And thus is coming up with my favorite parts of the movie as well. Anytime aliens get involved, I'm all about that stuff. Yeah, but of course, I mean, I, like, just I love... like right there too. All those years of Obi Wan watching Luke on Tatooine, like this, it's all leading up to this moment. Yeah, where his training's finally going to begin. Yeah, for sure. And we're about to get into another bit of big special edition. Well, that we just had changes. it. That scene right there, he, they they made it look more like an actual port. Yeah, I mean, it just the whole Moss Eisley, Moss Eisley entrance in general. I mean, right there, yeah. you see the little womp rat scamper bound. Yeah, are they womp rats really though? Well, I've I've referred to them as womp rats. Maybe I they're actually, not. I actually don't know. But... I don't. Yeah, we have, well, we should find out. We yeah, I'm pretty sure those up. are womp rats. The Why outfighter. I know Dash Rendar is canon. Dash on there. <laughs> oh man, this looks like an old video game kind of now. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, the Ronto doesn't maybe hold up quite as well as other things <laughs> that were added in the special edition. I'm just but. glad that they redid the CGI on Jabba for like the 2004 DVD release. Because yeah. I remember well, hearing people online complaining about like how terrible that was as an addition to the special editions. And I saw the special editions in theaters when I was a kid. 
Um, but the versions that I had on VHS were still just the original ones. And so I had probably only seen that scene with Jabba like a couple of times and I remembered it, but I didn't remember specifically like what he looked like. And then years later, of course, I got the DVD and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember they put Jabba in there. Um, but I heard people complaining about how terrible he looked and I was like, yeah, he's not that bad. And then I went and looked up on YouTube how it looked <laughs> in, se- in 97 and I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? I'm such a big Jabba fan. I didn't care. I love that scene and I'll defend that scene to the di- my dying day. Uh, good luck. You're right. <laughs> There's not You're much right. defense for that. Well, guess what? I can. I can defend it. I'm put up your dukes, Holmes. I'm about <laughs> Steve Rogers doesn't do this all day. <laughs> I also love the how like again for for a potential Obi Wan series that Obi Wan right now is like got his hood up, relaxing, and he knows all about the spaceport. So yep. <laughs> if they are these negotiations with Hugh McGregor are actually going to go be fulfilled, and they make this eventual Disney Plus series, you pretty much could just do a Disney Plus series about Hugh McGregor. Obi-Wan hanging out in the Moss Isaac Cantina, and that'll pretty much make everyone happy, including me. It could be him drinking, hanging out, and I'd be down. <laughs> I'd watch that for 80 episodes. Who wouldn't? Oh, I would. Exactly. The guy from episode two comes back and he's like, yeah. I, the one. I miss the old wolf man. Bring back Lax Sivrak. I think that yeah. was his name. <laughs> <laughs> and all you see now is the background. I always like that wolf costume. I know. Me too. And see, that's something that I don't even remember that change. Ugh, so young. So young. And you missed out. <laughs> you did. I love uh, Talk about iconic again. Visuals, music. I mean, the cantina is just. Those 70s another... sideburns. Yep. <laughs> Those two. But uh, just part of the magic that is Star Wars and you hope. Yeah. It's why everybody fell in love with it when it came out. The weird Egyptian vaping ladies. And every probably most time. of the characters and aliens we see in the cantina has a background story that's been told either in legends or even now in the new canon. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many of them are like, oh, hey, there's, you know, a Deveronian or a Bith or a Ithorian, Duros, whatever. Is that supposed to be a Trandoshan? I always thought so, but. Technically, maybe it's not, but I don't. Aren't, there might be some species that not necessarily Trandoshans that look like them, but yeah. I mean, heck, we got uh, what was the guy's name in Clone Wars that Ron Perlman played? Oh yeah, where they're basically knocked, like, yeah, got knocked. They were like, put a fat one in there just to be like, hey, not all Trandoshans look alike. And thankfully, Doctor Evazon and Ponda Baba got off. Uh, Jetta. Uh, you know what? Don't even don't even start that. I like that cameo. Everybody just shut up. I, don't. I had to bring it up again. Well, I like it. I like I want more Doctor. Go ahead, sorry. It wasn't the legend story where Jodo Cast messed up Dr. Amazon's face like that. That's I, what I remember reading. I don't remember. We should do like oh wait, that's right. Cal doesn't read, so we can't read this. Um so <laughs> one day we should we should read uh Tim the uh, Tales from the Most Isolated and see if it's a uh, holds up this day i haven't read years just kidding kyle you can join if you want if you want to read and that was our first look at a well actually no well our first look at the lightsaber in action yeah yeah yeah. first scene first look aside from the scene where you know luke ignites it for the first time i feel like we were so busy talking about just obi-wan and the force and the jedi and stuff we didn't even talk about just that cool reveal of luke turning on the lightsaber for the first time yeah another thing that must have 
blew people's minds yeah. seeing it for the very first time. Oh, oh love yeah. Dubacks. Sorry. Put out a full, you know, Figuring Dan and the Moss Eisley Cantina band album back in the day. It's more tracks than you're not in the movie. Maybe. There's our boy Han Solo. After watching Solo, the movie, this makes this is interesting. I never watched, you know, Solo kind of, you know, with New Hope kind of like, you know, not too far behind. It's just interesting. Yeah. See, now sure. we know exactly what he went through when he met the Kessel run right there. Yeah. Why are you bragging yeah. about it? And, and heck, if they made a sequel or I still think Solo would be a perfect Disney Plus series. Oh, well, 100%. I would, I would, I would much rather see that than a, a movie sequel. But then, you know, they could do the whole story of like him having to drop his cargo with the Imperial Starship and yeah. introductions to Jabba and Boba Fett and all that fun to be, stuff. I, I, to be honest, I think a, a movie. I'd, I'd much rather have a series because this seems more practical, you know, or a TV, uh, Disney Plus series. This seems more practical all around. Yeah, and, and you know, more stories so, to tell. Yeah, exactly. And I just true. love yeah. the re- how Luke and Han's relationship just gets off on such a rocky start here, where Luke is just ready to walk away, <laughs> think he doesn't need him, and then mm-hmm. we know what happens in the close friendship that develops here. But just the annoyance that Luke has on Han right here—it's just great. I love how like Han's shirt is like kind of not yellow, but kind of not white. Like it doesn't want to commit to either one <laughs> and you can't really tell what it is. It's I've always, it's greasy. That's what it is. No, it's, it's, it's an actual all, it's all the same color, but it's just funny. Cause like, it's well, just, I know, but I'm just saying it has that color right. of being like a yeah. white shirt that he hasn't washed in a long time. There's Snaggletooth. Never saw him. There's that card. Oh yeah. The, the cypher game. The cipher game that I never knew where it came from. Like, where'd this come from? How I don't see this in the movie. And then the first time I saw a widescreen version, I went, oh, there he is. Well, I remember Dude. watching the uh the season five premiere of Clone Wars at Celebration Six, and it's in that uh in the episode Revival where uh Darth Maul and Savajo Press like take over a space station at the beginning, and then Obi-Wan yeah. and Adi Gali oh, yeah. go to investigate, and the alien that comes to greet them and show them around is a snaggletooth. And there were like a handful of people in the celebration crowd that started cheering really loud, and I was like, What the heck are they cheering about? Because I didn't get the reference. But you bring up a great point about the widescreen, Paul. I remember because for years we'd only watch it in pan and scan full screen on VHS yep. and seen it in widescreen for the first time. Like almost watching a totally new movie it was. because you're seeing mm-hmm. so much. Yep. Okay, so for the record, I, I got to say this right now. Love Greedo. Love him. Love him. And I love the way his mouth moves. It's amazing. And I've got to admit, even though I didn't like the original special edition version of the uh, standoff here, I much, I actually don't mind this change. I don't Same mind here. Yeah, I've I never the minded it. Like overrated complaint people have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, people, people's complaints are overrated. I don't believe. It. <laughs> but oh, I could understand. I, I gained a lot yeah. more sympathy for the people that complain about it when the Blu-rays came out and George made his next round of changes. And you guys have probably heard me talk about this before. It's been a while <laughs> though since I've gotten on my soapbox and complained about vader yelling no at the end of return of the jedi to the point that like i still will watch return of the jedi on dvd sometimes but 
Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I, I understand. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't harp on people too much because I'm like, well, now I have my own version of Han shot first. Um, but yeah, well, I never minded it that much in this. A little, a little sneak preview for our Return of the Jedi commentary, Kyle. Yeah, we're maybe to, we're gonna we're gonna have to. Well, we're no. on the topic of special edition changes. Well, I know. I mean, I we, heck, wanted... we've already talked about you know Solo, Revenge no, of the no, no, Sith, no. and Shrek. So what, I, what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I, in reference to that, what you're talking about, and, and we can save more for the future. But in reference to what that seems in particular from Return of the Jedi, we're going to have to agree to disagree. Wow. And we'll just leave it at that. That's what I was trying to say. So to make it more interesting, put up your dukes. Ready. I could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's... Going back to that real quick, the Han shooting first and yes. not shooting first, what makes it better on the Blu-ray, and I think it was for the DVD as well, where it was just edited better. When the special editions first came out, they chopped off a little bit of Han's dialogue where he says, yeah, I bet you have. He just says, I'll bet you have. Like, real quick, it sounded off, but... They put back the yeah in the Blu-ray, and it just flows better. It didn't seem so choppy. I think that's what makes it work. Yeah. Instead of just how you know choppy and messed up it sounded in the very first change in the special edition. So I really all oh, the Rodians yes. wear the exact same outfits. Yeah. I, I, I was going to comment about this. I was just going to comment when I was a kid, and this is the, the beauty of Star Wars. Which, by the way, I love the scene. There's Boba Fett. This scene needs to be in Star Wars. Oh, I was happy anyone. to see Boba Fett in A New Hope. That made me so, happy. When I was a kid, you know, a lot of times. You thought there was only one of one of one kind of creature. Like let's bring up the Masters of the Universe, for instance, right? He Man. There's only one Beast Man. There's only one Skeletor, right? Well, what I didn't understand when I was a kid was when Greedo died, you saw another Rodian like before the scene was. You know, I love he slipped on his tail. It's such a brilliant move. <laughs> um, when you see that the Rodians and, and walking around most Eisley, I and wearing the same thing. I'm like, well, that's Greedo. I thought he was dead. Why is he just walking around? And then my mom was like, Paul, that's a different that's a different kind of alien. Same alien, but not Greedo. And I'm like, oh, there's more than one? And it, this was like the first time that I realized, or not first time, but in Star Wars made me realize there's different species, not just one of the character like in He-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and this is, I just love the fact that it emphasized that there's multiple aliens. Like, it's not just one alien, you know? Like it's, it's not a small universe, is what yeah. I'm saying. Which yeah. I love, too, and obviously that makes perfect sense, but it is weird that the Rodians are all wearing the exact same outfit. Well, we all know why they're wearing the same outfit, but whatever. <laughs> I just, I like, too, going back to Boba Fett being that scene. You know, George Lucas always said, you know, I don't know why he's so popular. I'm mystified by it. But yet, he knows he's so popular, he's going to stick him in where he can in several scenes, so... You know, say what you want about that Jabba scene, but I always like that. You know, Lucas decided to put Boba Fett in the New Hope, and he can have this movie as part of his appearances now when it wasn't before, even though it's just a small little cameo. Yeah, it's like, hey, if you didn't want him to be so popular, don't make him look so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, I love Han's gloves; they're so tough. <laughs> I love this Obi Wan kind of ro- rolling his eyes as Han's trying to brag about. Yeah. <laughs> now there are the dice that Chewie just hit his head on. That honestly, I never really noticed until they like yeah. started making a big deal out of it in Solo and the Last Jedi. Yep, agreed. I've I gotta say I've, I've always noticed it, but you know, never really knew it would take on such significance in the last two Star Wars movies. Yeah, but which is cool. I mean, this adds more to the history of the Falcon and. 
how Han Solo got it. Yeah, I mean, just watching that shot there of Chewie kind of hitting his head on them and they kind of swing around a little bit, I was like, oh, I've probably noticed that before, but I just, like, never thought anything of it. You know, it's like for it to show up in another movie, I wouldn't have remembered. Oh, yeah, those were in A New Hope. This is an underrated special edition change, too. Just that the Falcon taking off from Moss Eisley and Doggy Bay 94. Just how great it looks from that overhead shot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, Goodbye, for, for me, having seen it as a kid, I'm like, I don't even remember that not being in there. <laughs> but it's definitely a great looking shot. Just like The Force Awakens... Ironically, just like A New Hope, <laughs> um, like this is where the movie kind of takes a little bit of like a. It's hard for me to get into as much, you know. Is I love the ending of this movie, but this is and and not trying to be a, a cheap shot here, but like a Force Awakens, it kind of drags in this part of the, of the movie for me. The, the Death Star mm. stuff, it's just it's hard for me to get through. Really, when see that for me is where it kind of picks up. I mean, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. We're all different, right? We're all going to have different, you know, things. For whatever reason, I just, it's harder when I was, especially when I was a kid. I'm not as much now, but when I was a kid, I got, I just wanted to get right to, to, to you know, flying X-Wings and, and things like that, or more white wings, because I don't like X-Wings, but. So. I love Luke D- I'm sorry, did Luke blow up here. the Death Star in a Y-Wing? <laughs> he should have. <laughs> Well, we saw. We all know what happens to the Y wings later on, and in, in this movie, when we get to that battle, <laughs> don't talk mess about my Y wings. My premature condolences. You know, this seems always weirded me out. Not weirded me out like weird, but like just kind of made me kind of thought. Just, just didn't really quite understand what was going on, and I never put my finger on it until someone pointed it out to me when I was, you know, recently, last couple of years. Is this performance by Kira right here? Her weight, she sounds. I always thought she sounded kind of odd. I'm like, why does she sound so odd here? And then someone said that she was trying to, an English accent at this point in the movie. Yeah, and and then like dropped it, or you know, or had a a dialect or whatever in the movie, trying a different dialect, and then gave up after the scene because I think it's one of the first scenes she might have done or something like that. Well, I think and she so, kind of does this in her earlier scenes too, but she really only has like a, like one other scene of dialogue with Vader before this, and then you know the hologram. Right, but although I'm I guess she like, doesn't really do it in the hologram, does she? Yeah, it's she only sounds like this right here. And I always thought it was weird. I'm like, why does she sound so different? Now people have made their own like kind of headcanon version, like she's basically mocking Tarkin, kind of a thing, which I like a lot. I think it's a great idea, mm-hmm. especially knowing Tarkin, who he is, and all the and all the background we have, and like everything. Like even right here, maybe it it's because like, she's still drugged up from the probe droid. Yeah, uh, I mean, even like here, you can tell she's acting like yeah. You know, a little bit like she doesn't believe him, you know, and so I don't know, like at least you could say that. Um, but yeah, I always thought she sounded really odd here. But now people have realized in the real life, you know, is Carrie Fisher was trying something and gave up on it. But people have kind of made their own headcanon version of that and, you know, ran with it, which I think is not bad. It's not a bad explanation. Yeah, no, it it does really stand out kind of like a sore thumb, though. Um because sometimes when I think of Leia in A New Hope, I think of that accent and I'm like, yeah, she never had that in the rest of the movies. And I'm like, well, she doesn't even have it for all of this movie either. And yeah, this is definitely the scene where it's like the most prominent. But I don't know, maybe she is kind of mocking Tarkin or maybe that's her like proper voice that she uses in the Imperial Senate, which is now no longer a thing. 
Yeah. Not the finest moment for the Empire there, as much as, you know, I'm a fan of them. <laughs> Blowing up an entire planet. But it's interesting. Some of the cool stuff we got early on in the new canon books was just the aftermath of, not those books, but <laughs> the aftermath of all the Oh, I love aftermath. Chuck Windig, he's such a great writer. Don't <laughs> <laughs> no need to go down that rabbit hole. But <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Just how, you know, the galaxy reacted to Alderaan being destroyed. And even you get it from, you know, a general people in the galaxy perspective, the Imperial perspective, how even members of the Empire didn't know how to feel about it. Some, you know, think they went too far. Some felt, you know, oh, this is all the rebels doing. You know, they got Alderaan destroyed. We had to do it. So this... It was interesting as far as when the new book started coming out, like in Lost Stars, I think is a good example of that as far as dealing with how uh, people felt with Alderaan being destroyed and just the different viewpoints you've had a, they had about it, where you would think everyone should feel horrible about it and how nothing like that should ever happen. But um, just when you get caught up probably in that Imperial machine, you're going to follow them and their lead no matter what they do. So it was just interesting to get those different perspectives on the destruction of Alderaan more so than what we get, of course, right here where we see Obi-Wan just, you know, yet almost collapsing, really, just having to sit down. And like we said, that's if you heard a thousand voices cry out in pain when we're suddenly silenced. I mean, he felt that destruction and the hurt by it. Just You can imagine what other people, you know, were feeling once they found out about that news. So it was always great to get more insights of how the galaxy viewed the destruction of Alderaan later on in the comics and books and stuff. So I always thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously, I mean, this movie doesn't really touch on it as far as mm. the galaxy as a whole. Um, but it makes sense because we start off so small scale and just focused on a small group of characters, but see, that's why uh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't get into this too much. I was going to say it bugs me in the force awakens when they don't go, <laughs> don't do that with Starkiller base because it's like, but it's, you know, you could argue, well, okay, but they didn't do it in A New Hope either. But it's like we've expanded the universe so much by the time we get to The Force Awakens. It's like now we've seen the Republic and the Senate and, you know, kind of how the politics and society and stuff work in the galaxy as a whole. So now we want to see how those people are affected by it. When you see A New Hope for the first time, you don't know how many other planets are out there or how the government yeah. works and what or, you know, what the regular society is like and, you know, the everyday people. But now that we've met so many of them, it's like, well, now we want to know how, you know, these other people and cultures and stuff that we've met, how they would be affected by something like that. I would. I wish they would have touched up the lightsaber effect in that one shot where Luke reignites it. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Light. Not even just in that one shot. For this whole scene, I'm like, of all the special effects retouching yeah. and stuff that they did for the special editions and the DVDs and the Blu-rays, like between all of that this still looks like they did it in 77. Like that lightsaber looks so rough and flickery. I love Obi-Wan's comeback to Han right there in my experience. No such thing as luck. And again, going back to the history in the Clone Wars that we now know, we know exactly what he's talking about and that experience he has to say that to Han right there. Yeah. And then comes one of my favorite Obi-Wan lines ever. You're taking your first step into a larger world. That's what I like to say to everyone who's watching Star Wars for the first time who hasn't yet seen it and just yeah. knowing what they're going to get into. Same this here. Great universe and or, story and characters. Or someone who's a Star Wars fan but is like watching Clone Wars for the first time yeah. or reading a book <laughs> series for the first time or something like that. So good. And Tarkin, you know, he's upset that Leia lied to him, but he kind of, what he was saying 
right before he destroyed Alderaan, why he destroyed it anyway, you know, saying that he's far too, she's far too trusting. So he wasn't quite sure that that was the rebel base on Dantooine. And he said a little too surprised that it was. He kind of would have thought he would say, uh, like, I knew she was lying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what? She tried to yeah. make up a lie to me to save her home planet? Who would do that? This is the only time we see Chewie with the headset in the Falcon cockpit, I think. Is there any other scene where he wears it? I don't it? know. Why do I feel like we see him with that in The Last Jedi? You might be right now that, now that I think about it. There might be, I don't be know a if moment we, with him. I don't know if we see it any other time in the original trilogy, but I feel like yeah. there's a shot. I don't know why I'm just picturing Chewie with the headset on with a port next to him. Yeah, <laughs> when you said that, it was the exact same moment I was thinking about. It, it just seems like he had it on there. Yeah. And then here's another great iconic line. Yep. <laughs> That's no moon. And if Han wasn't too busy trying to shoot out that TIE fighter, he might have had enough time to get. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why he couldn't have just hit it from where they are. Could have done the flip maneuver like he did in Solo. Or just, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, he's he's not close enough for that, but... I'm just saying somebody could have gone and jumped in the gun turrets. You easily could have shot down that tie from that distance. But no, the force is drawing them to the Death Star. They cannot avoid it. Well, that's true. Pulling them in, it's the force. Yeah, you got to go rescue the princess before the rebels can blow it up. And when Han says they're not going to get me without a fight, I wonder what his plan would have been if Obi Wan didn't try to. Calm him down and say there's alternatives to fighting there. What would be his plan? <laughs> Take on the whole station himself. <laughs> Fire torpedoes into the docking bay like uh, Kylo does in Last Jedi. I just love that little shot right there, seeing the stormtroopers out there in space with their little like, backpacks on there, <laughs> probably to help with their breathing. But just that small little detail was just showing all aspects of you know how the different crews on the empires work on the death star and what they have to do is every part of the station needs some some type of crew or workers on there checking it out it's the fact that there was a little just two troopers out in space i just love how it looked visually yeah yeah cool little detail that's easy to miss This is cool, too, just seeing the interior of the Death Star and, like, all... I mean, it's kind of the first time that we see, like, so many stormtroopers all in one place and you kind of mm. get your first glimpse of, like... I mean, aside from the fact that they have a space station that's powerful enough to destroy an entire planet, just kind of getting a sense of what the Imperial military machine is like. Yeah, exactly. I always felt <laughs> David Prowse or, you know, depending how the Delbian went with James Earl Jones, but the way he said... A presence I haven't felt since, and he just abruptly runs away. Like 
he left a little too early before. Yeah. <laughs> that bit of dialogue linger on a little bit before walking away. Like everybody else would have just been sitting there like, since when? Yeah. You finish your <laughs> sentence? Okay, I guess not. I won't bug him about it because I like being able to breathe. <laughs> Who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? It's more a great dialogue. Yeah, see, Obi Wan has like all the best lines in this movie. Pretty big scanning equipment there, too. <laughs> like, That's true. Like, <laughs> need two guys to carry it? Well, for the sake of the plot, because we need two guys on the ship to get beat up. And two guards, of course. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. No, they needed the stormtroopers. They, they could have had one scanning guy go up. And so we know we hear blaster fire go off, but they obviously didn't shoot the stormtroopers because there's no blast marks on their armor when they're <laughs> walking around with them. So did the stormtroopers do the only ones to fire it? Maybe, yeah, maybe they fired and them, missed. Well, that's probably, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're stormtroopers. <laughs> storm that's what troopers. they do. And what do they do with the bodies? Like, are they still on the Falcon when they leave? The Death Star. You know, that's <laughs> a good question. The smuggler containments. <laughs> See, they're giving themselves away too easily. Like, you're trying to sneak around the Death Star in disguise as stormtroopers, but you're shooting people and hitting them. People are immediately yeah. going to know that you're not stormtroopers. <laughs> well, they kind of later on where they're, you know, in the detention block trying to rescue Leia, they get a few misses in there. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Like, what's a little too late then, though? Whether they don't need to miss yeah but i mean yeah that's just a classic shootout scene there's a lot of gunfire flying around and nobody's getting hit because if they were all hitting their targets it would be over really quick paul's having some technical difficulties at the moment just in case you know i'm not trying to throw him under the bus but in case you guys are wondering why paul's been quiet for so long yeah unusually quiet so. <laughs> yeah i mean he did say he thought this part of the movie kind of dragged for him so maybe he just wanted to check out and he's uh, you know excuse, blaming <laughs> technical difficulties We'll know something's up if he comes back right when the Falcon takes off and they're leaving the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His internet connection or whatever's going on suddenly gets fixed as they're leaving the Death Star. And he's like, all right, Battle of Yavin time. One of my favorite Han moments, dude, is really showing that arrogant side to him or that selfish side where he's looking out for nobody but him. I mean, to go as much as just, you know, calmly sit down on the chair and say I'm not going anywhere <laughs> the same things like better her than me when Luke says they're going to kill Leia just that selfish attitude that Han's on display that Han is displaying right there but you know it's mainly all just a front <laughs> yeah. deep down and then suddenly she's rich oh yeah. what you didn't say there was money involved but then we slowly start seeing those layers come down and we see the real, true, good-natured Han Solo that 
Kira talked about in Solo. <laughs> yeah. She called him a good guy and he was denying it. Yeah, and I'm sure, again, that's something that we could see over the course of a, an ongoing series or something if they were to do that, that I'm sure, you know, maybe some of that, well, first of all, losing Kira, you know, the fact that she was his goal that he was working towards for all those years and then she just kind of ghosts him um, for who knows what and who knows if he ever saw her again or found out what she was doing with mm. Crimson Dawn or anything like that. Um but, uh, you know, to then go and fall in with uh, Jabba and Boba Fett and all that, all those guys, um, you know, that probably maybe wore away at some of the good guy side of his character for a while. And just needed more good people like Luke, Leia, C-3PO. Well, maybe not C-3PO who annoyed him, but <laughs> R2-2-E to bring that goodness out of him again. Yeah. Which all begins right here. But Chewie, on their hand, doesn't yet quite trust Luke. <laughs> as he yeah. won't let him put those cuffs on. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't know if a guy that if I'd let a guy that I just met a couple hours ago put me in handcuffs either. So I don't know if I could blame him. But and true, and knowing that Chewie was in slavery for a while too against the Empire, I didn't want anyone true. sticking that's cuffs a, on him. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's something I didn't even think about. But um, yeah, especially. Uh, given now what we've seen in solo um yeah that's kind of a, a good context to look at it in i always think well, the scene where he yells at the mouse droid that robot chicken <laughs> little skit where that there's actually a little mouse driving that thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah this makes me laugh when i see that little mouse and like imperial um officer in uniform getting all scared and just running off or driving off it's just really funny Yeah, Paul says he's starting his computer and to tell everyone he's sorry for the technical difficulties. So hopefully we'll get him back in here soon. Yes. Hopefully before the climactic battle scene with, well, there's several climactic battle scenes. Obi-Wan versus Vader. Oh, of course. Fighters, all the good stuff coming up in a new hope. Yeah. I like how that older officer where you know, Han kind of tells him, nope, this elevator is full. He just kind of looks at the other one and kind of doesn't know where he's at. <laughs> like, like what elevator? Like, what floor am I on? Where am I going here? <laughs> just one little extra that it looked like he knew where he was going. Yeah, I think it's easier to for them to pass it off uh, with, you know, the the Wookiee being in there. I don't think it's so much like the elevator's full. It's probably more like, hey, you don't want to be in here with this guy. He's dangerous. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> They're not selling it off great at all. <laughs> I like how I don't I I don't I forget if it's Han or Luke that's holding that longer blaster, but he's not even holding it by the handle. Yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't have his finger on the trigger. Their backs that turn when the elevator door opens, just you know, just doing a horrible job building in the stormtroopers. Yeah, which shouldn't be that hard, knowing how incompetent stormtroopers came to be. Which actually, this is the best display the stormtroopers I've shown in a movie. When you look at the beginning, where they took on the rebel soldiers, and little moments here and there throughout this battle, but well, I mean, they don't even really do anything during this Jedi, battle either. They, like. Yeah, I think, like you said, during the beginning of a new, uh, yeah, during the beginning of the movie when they stormed the Tantive Four, that's really the only time that you see stormtroopers be effective. 
That's true. Well, they obviously don't kill any of our main heroes <laughs> in this sequence, but yeah. they just don't come off as incompetent as other moments <laughs> that we'll see later on in Empire and Jedi. And there's Finn's number. Yep, I was just going to say. <laughs> the origin of FN2187. Yep. And another classic line that is kind of your go-to one, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Paul right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're having a slight malfunction. But, yeah, I use this gif a lot. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> that look on has <laughs> on his face. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the those foot and mouth moments where you say something like on the phone and you immediately cringe and like the other person yeah. can't see you, but you're like, <laughs> oh, why did I say that? Classic iconic line number who knows? I lost count. There's so many in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did too. Ah, oh, there he is. There I am. So, so sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, went to go uh, basically say goodnight to my wife, thinking, like, oh, I can sneak away for a minute and say goodnight to her and before she goes to bed. And then I uh, – it's a long story, but basically, basically I came back and I could not do anything. So I was like, crap. So that's what I get from trying to be a good husband. Yeah, <laughs> conveniently during the slow-dragging Death Star part that you were just talking about fast-forwarding through. Well, it's mo- it's on- in all seriousness – it was all because of the time of the night, and I just wanted to make sure I said goodnight to my wife. So, jeez. <laughs> it is hap- it would, I would have done it during the Tatooine part, maybe. Come on, Paul. You know the priority. Star Wars number one all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you just missed the part where we were like, oh, this is probably going to be Paul when he comes back. Uh, we're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. Uh, situation normal. Had a slight malfunction. Yeah, well, ironically, it was right there. I'm glad you told everyone that it was during my favorite part that I had this little escapade. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. And we were just talking about how now the uh, effectiveness of the stormtroopers gets to be on display. Yeah. (laughs) That one immediately gets shot down. (laughs) (laughs) This is why, this is why the clone troopers are way better than the stormtroopers. What are we doing? We're shooting these things, right? But I was telling Kyle how this is the best. This the, A New Hope is the best movie where they showed their effectiveness more so than Empire and Jedi. Which... And it's really only in the first five minutes. Hmm. Speaking of which, we haven't gotten to the scene where the trooper just bonks his head on the door yet. Right? Not yet. No. <laughs> uh, that's not yet. Oh yeah, because the droids aren't hiding yet. Oh, yeah, we're about to get there. But again, just, you know, immediately showing the great chemistry between Han, Luke, and Leia right when they're all together for the very first time. And just, you know, <laughs> the dialogue that they have with each other, just, you just immediately feel the specialness that these three characters have and why it is all of us fell in love with them and become such iconic characters. Leia yeah. taking charge here, just, you know, saying how incompetent Luke and Han's plan it was to rescue her and take her to leave. Just so great. Then Han getting mad, not only her, but at Chewie. He's telling him to get in there. He has to kick him into the garbage chute. Oh, I just love all this great interaction between these four characters. Yeah. And Luke kind of, I don't know, necessarily feeling bad, but knowing that 
this was his idea and it's all like falling apart right now. <laughs> they don't know how they're going to get out of it. Just that look on his face as Han's kind of yelling at him about Leia. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they didn't have a whole lot to go on in the beginning, but, you know, even when they were planning it out and figuring out what cell Leia was in and stuff, um, yeah, they didn't do a whole lot as far as escape planning went. But I do like to, and I mean, obviously, a lot of people talk about this um, as far as just why Leia is such an iconic character, um, but the fact that, you know, up to this point, she almost is like, and I know she's given sass to like Vader and Tarkin and everything, but as far as her role in the story, she's kind of like the typical like damsel in distress character. And then they go and get her and she's like, all right, how are we getting out of here? They're like, uh, we didn't think that far ahead. And she's like, yeah. all right, I'm taking it from here. Boys, get out the way. Yeah, this is something that, you know, Leia was probably the first female, um, you know, like probably protagonist that I really like connected with, you know, because she and I never I never considered her like, oh, she's a girl. Like, I, I always kind of I mean, when I was really little, maybe. But like, you know, I never disrespected her like, oh, I, you know, Leia was lame. I never thought Leia was lame because she was an equal to them. She's not yeah. lesser than them. She's yeah. just there. They're to rescue her for money. Yeah, sure. But. She's not like, oh, I need you guys to save me. Like, that's not the the point of her, you know? She's the one, like, taking uh, taking charge and things like that. Like, you know, when Luke's trying to save her going, going across the thing, she's the one, you know, shooting the gun. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, he's like, he, yeah, he's like, here, hold the gun while I pull out the grappling hook. And, you know, of course, I'm going to be the one to save us and swing across the chasm. But, like, she's shooting down stormtroopers while he's doing it. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, and throughout the obviously that all the films that she's in, she's a great character. And, 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 you know, again, Lucas did a great job of, of not, you know, putting us the classic damsel in the stress, even though I think that's like, people always kind of assume that's what she was, but that's not really, you know, what she, you know, or they don't assume, but they kind of like thought that was going to happen. And they kind of always put her in that, but that's not really what she is. Yeah. You know? Well, and yeah, again, that's, that's kind of how, like the role that she starts out in. And then it's like, no, that's not her. That's not her at all. Yeah, um, and you see how how yeah. strong and capable she is, and I like how I mean the three of them together all serve like very different purposes in the story. I mean, Luke is like the classic hero, the one that has the mythical powers and the laser sword and all that kind of stuff, and goes on this grand adventure. And then you got Han, who's like the sort of the cocky, arrogant pilot, but um, he's the one that does a lot of the shooting. Um, and then Leia is more in the role of sort of like the um, more like the leader type, I guess, the the political figurehead and sort of like the inspiring leader figure for the rebellion, but can also hold her own, too, when it comes to, uh, you know, needing to be in a firefighter or take more direct action. So, um, yeah, and I would say n none of the three of them. I mean, maybe Luke because he is like the central figure, but they're all pretty much equally important to the story and all equally capable of holding their own in tough situations. And there's the famous head bonk. Yep. I'm the shocked that they left all. that in there. That's hilarious. <laughs> and for years, because you very hear, very clearly hear that clack, but it's right yeah. before one of the stormtroopers <laughs> starts talking. And I always assumed it was just like the internal mic on his helmet, like crackling on before he starts talking. And once I, it's just one of those things that, 
like for years I heard people talk about that and I never noticed it until like I think I had to have somebody like I watched a YouTube video or something where they like circled it out and now I just can't unsee it. And now, of course, every time I see it, you hear the sound associated with it. And I'm just like, it's so obvious. How did they leave that in there? It's almost like they had to leave it in there. <laughs> so funny. I assume that's the stormtrooper who was left to guard 3PO and R2. Too incompetent, he hit his head. <laughs> I well would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I, I always... I always took it as they just didn't see it until after the fact kind of a thing. To be honest. I guess, but I mean, and I mean, that does kind of make sense because, again, like I watched these movies for years and I never noticed it. But now that I've like done film production and editing and stuff and knowing how closely you watch things and how much you kind of have to go over it with a fine tooth comb in the editing process and just watching the same shot over and over again to make sure that it's edited correctly and stuff now granted they weren't doing these on computers back then um so maybe that has something to do with it too like but you know i don't know exactly how how the process went back then but um yeah i'm just like i can't imagine making a movie and missing something like that but it's i guess it still happens because you know people still point out small little continuity errors and stuff like that and uh like even modern blockbusters too i also like how even ben burke kind of did a little nod to it in episode two where jango fett's entering slave one as it's taking off from camino the door shuts down a little suddenly he has to duck real quick so he doesn't hit his head he always said that was a little nodded reference to that stormtrooper banging his head right there or the scene we just saw. Well, it, well, I've always thought it was it was George. Isn't it George who said that in I the commentary? It was ben no, I'm pretty sure it was George. He was like, oh, there's a group hit the head. I'm going to make a funny moment. They always hit their head. I'm they're pretty both sure that, in the editing room, so <laughs> definitely well, one or the other. Right, right. But they, yeah, because they do it like when he's going back in the slave one when uh, – when they're taking off from Camino, right? And so it comes out on yeah. his head. Yeah. This uh, is, I mean, we, we've just passed it where R2 stopped the trash compactor from smashing uh, Luke, Leia, and Han and Chewie. But this is a little com- comedy stuff in this movie that works so well when they're all screaming for joy and elation that they're saved. And C-3PO thinks they're dying and <laughs> they're screaming yeah. in pain. I just love that. Then that surprise look on his I mean, it's a droid he doesn't have much facial expression but how quickly his face shoots up and the shock he has is what luke says he's all right so i just love that little small detail there and the comedic bit that that has yeah and i mean i know we've talked a lot about some of the great performances in this movie but i think anthony daniels is kind of an underrated one to where like he really does do a good job of conveying 3po's like emotions and reactions and stuff without any kind of facial expressions um, you know, just through his voice and through his his uh, reactions and body language and his movements, like, you know exactly kind of what he's thinking or feeling. Which, granted, is maybe a little easier because it's always, like, nervous, worried, panic. But still, he does a really good <laughs> job just conveying uh, that internal stuff physically. I also love the way it goes... <laughs> yeah. Now there's this is also a new edit right here because I don't think the, I don't think there were that many stormtroopers originally either. I don't at, least know. I don't, at least I don't remember that anyway. Because the only change I remember for this sequence right here is 
the wording on the power yeah. controls were it used to be in English. <laughs> I think it just said power. And then they Oh, did it? it? Oh, that's funny. I didn't <laughs> know that. It's been a while. Will we ever get the original cut of or a original cut of A New Hope ever? Would like to have it, but would probably never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it maybe one time. Yeah, it just oh, yeah, like a little refresher. Uh, but that's, for that to be the go-to whenever I want to watch like ver- like a new home, I don't think so. Well, I have like a because I have a version of it on my from the DVD set. Yeah, same here. Two thousand five, and and like I, I tried watching it, and it just does not obviously look good or even compatible yeah. for my screen. So it's like it's basically only good to watch on um, what do you call it? Uh, like a laptop that only plays DVDs. Yeah. See, this might be the thing you're thinking of, Paul, where they added the Stormtrooper. Well, I knew that. Yeah, I, I that knew one that, they added but, a bunch. Well, right, right. I know, I know that. But I'm saying, I think, I sort of sworn they added it for that one scene, too, because there's way too many there than I remember being. Right. If, a, if one guy rounds the corner into a whole hangar bay full of Stormtroopers and starts shooting at you and then turns and runs the other way down a narrow hallway and you still can't hit him? <laughs> these guys are terrible. <laughs> like, that's a fish in a barrel right there. Yeah, okay, maybe I should take back what I said about this being, <laughs> you know, a better display of stormtroopers. Regard besides the opening. Yeah, and like I said, some the Tantive Four is their only shining moment. Yeah, which right. apparently, according to Pablo Hidalgo, he says that it's supposed to actually be pronounced Tantive Four. But you can pronounce it whatever you want. It's always going to be the Tantive Four to me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not <laughs> exactly. going to say that just because it takes too long. I'm not adding an extra syllable. Yeah, exactly. Like, I believe you if that's what you say George called it, but like, we all know what ship we're talking about. Korriban, Moriband, whatever. (laughs) I prefer Moriband myself. Really? Yeah, dude. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. Moriband sounds like Mordor. It basically is Mordor in space. I know. (laughs) And that's awesome. Wait, oh, you're saying Moraband sounds like that. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I spent too many hours on Korriban in Knights of the Old Republic and to think I, of and it. I, as and I don't else. have the connection like you do. I, that that is that is something I'll admit to. I love that RT unit right there, by the way. I always wanted that RT unit. Yeah, it's the it one Imperial nice droid that's not all like black and menacing looking. I like that one too. Which, by the way, we have the black, the black and white one it's on the Death Star and on the the, the Rebel base. Yeah. <laughs> that was Again, another s- small addition right there, where the storekeeper says, "Close the blast doors," where it just closed on itself, and you hear the storekeeper say, "Open the blast doors." It makes it more funny now, where we hear him say, "Close the blast doors," oh, and like five seconds yeah, later, yeah, he says, yeah, yeah. "Open the blast doors, open the blast doors." You know, I, I know a lot of people. You know, we're given that reimagining of the, of the of the fight between Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi a hard time because like they're missing the point of the original version. But you know, what? it was still good. I still like it, but I still I still like like this a lot too. This this is fine. I might have been one of those people. <laughs> no, no, that's and that's fine. And I don't think there's anything wrong with like liking either one to be honest. And I because I because I, I, I understand why people love this one, and I love and I understand why people love the other one too. Because let's be real, this is like two old dudes fighting. Like yeah. you could barely fight, and it's you know obviously they could do it over again, 
they do something closer to what that video was doing instead of this. But period. Obi- yeah, the whole thing is Obi Wan knew what he was doing here. He knew exactly. he was sacrificing yeah. himself for Luke and for everyone else to escape. He knew this was this was it for him, and he wanted to be going all out to you know try to kill Vader right then and there with the Force. I would think. So, and some of the moves he pulled off in that video, but I again, regardless do, of all, I do think the counterpoint to that though is that you could make the argument that even if Obi Wan's in like main intention is to sacrifice himself, he could also be like, well, while I'm here, I might as well try to take out Vader. Like that would not be a bad thing. And then once he realizes that you know they kind of fight to a stalemate, and once he sees Luke in the hangar bay and realizes, okay, Luke's witnessing the fight now. Now I have the chance to show him. Because, you know, clearly, like, he waits till Luke is watching to to sacrifice himself. And it's not just about sacrificing himself to buy time for the Rebels to get away. It's that he wants Luke to learn that lesson about the power of the Force and about, you know, what he tells Vader. You know, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. He wants Luke to see that. Um, And I think maybe he doesn't make that, like, fully commit to that until he sees Luke at the end. But at the same time, too... You know, Obi Wan tells Luke, "Luke, I'm on a different, or my path lies, you know, differently than yours." And I just think he knows everything that's going to transpire. He knows he's, it's not his destiny to try to kill Vader. It's his, you know, to sacrifice himself for Luke. And you know, like you said, Kyle, to show him the ways of the Force in you know a different aspect, becoming more powerful than Vader can possibly imagine, and mentoring Luke to, as a Force spirit here. So. I don't know, that's why I just think Obi-Wan knew exactly what was going to happen. Maybe not, ex- you know, full-on detail as it went down, but he knew it wasn't meant for him to kill Vader and that he was going to die right here. It was just the will of the Force. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, like, I thought that that reimagined version of the scene, I thought was pretty awesome, but as, like, a fan-made project. Like, it's for me, that's the kind of stuff that I love to watch and think sort of what could have been or like oh yeah this could be a cool you know alternate version or whatever but like i'm never gonna like i would never say i prefer that over the original version like it might have cooler choreography and special effects and stuff but i do think it's like a little over the top and i do i mean even though i i kind of made that counterpoint there i do also to an extent agree with you tim that like that's 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 not the point of the scene like and it would have been cool to see a little bit more flashy lightsaber fight like sure but also you know you just got to realize like it was 1977 like that was the first one they ever did and that was that was the starting point and they just grew and evolved from there um so i have no problem with it i mean obviously that's not my favorite lightsaber fight i don't think it's anybody's favorite lightsaber fight because they all just get so much better from there um but it, I still think it's a great scene for for what it is, and especially for what Obi Wan is trying to accomplish there. Yeah, and just you know, instead of comparing it to a, a fan film, I got to talk about how that scene just gets more elevated after Revenge of the Sith, knowing the last time Obi Wan and Anakin saw each other, Anakin screaming at Obi Wan, telling him, you know, saying I hate you, and Obi Wan telling him he loved him, and then they're meeting each other for the first time since then in that iconic scene in that now iconic lightsaber battle it just adds again a whole new layer to that duel between vader and obi-wan that you can just think back of what you know the last time they saw each other revenge assist and just how powerful that moment was when they last saw each other on mustafar and 
you know, just how different they both are, both Vader and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan doesn't see him as Anakin anymore. He just sees him as Vader, as he later tells Luke, more machine now than man, and just how his, he truly believes his friend is dead. And when he's fighting Vader, he doesn't think he's fighting Anakin right there. So just yeah. more great stuff and more layers added to what was already a great scene when this movie first came out, but made even better now for what we know, what went down in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, definitely. And just to, you know, we get a cool space battle here, but just a tease of what's to come for the end of this film. And I love that, how we kind of get two <laughs> space battles in a Star Wars movie, one smaller scale and then a much bigger scale, but yet still both very fun to watch and exciting to see play out. Just, I mean, how, how, I'm not sure most Star Wars fans feel this way, but. I just wanted to be in that gun turret so bad as a little kid. And even yeah. now, <laughs> just well, yeah, fun. I was going to say, this makes me want to go to galaxy's edge and get in the turret and the millennium Falcon ride. See, it would be cool if that ride let you go into these actual turrets instead of just being in the millennium Falcon cockpit. I mean, well, they should yeah, that's true. do an expansion or something like that where you're in these turrets. Cause it just looks so much fun. You're swiveling around in the chair, looking at your targeting computer, blasting tie fires. That is as a kid, I just wanted to do that so bad. <laughs> Maybe even more so to pilot a, an X-Wing or any type of starship. I wanted to be in those gun tours. They just look like so much fun. Especially how Han and Luke's reactions they give each other once they destroy a TIE fighter, how excited they get. They're kind of treating it as a fun game. <laughs> so yeah. just as a kid seeing that, you just wanted to experience that fun too. I love when 3 pos in the uh, the wires like, oh, oh, help me. <laughs> Nobody's there to help. <laughs> yeah. Typical 3PO. Everybody else is celebrating and he's lying in a tangled mess. What's 3PO? <laughs> but then, you know, there are the people that argue... You know, we've been talking about the incompetence of the stormtroopers, but even, you know, Leia's saying here, like, oh, they let us go, and we just saw, you know, Tarkin saying, oh, you know, we secured the homing beacon aboard their ship, and I've heard people say, like, well, what if, you know, all those times that the stormtroopers were shooting at them and stuff, they really were just, like, they were, they had orders to let them get away because they wanted to be able to track them back to the rebel base, so. Well, they really put that effort, though, to try to go after him and shoot him wouldn't it have just been easier to not even send any troops out there it, to try would. To get them? it would i mean and i'm just throwing that out there i mean i'm not trying to defend the stormtroopers because you know we obviously have plenty more examples showing that they still can't hit stuff but that's usually my job to defend them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah another great luke line i use a lot too to say i care <laughs> yeah so they don't care about something <laughs> Uh, man, this, this cast is just so great. I mean, let's talk about nailing it when, when casting these characters. I mean, they're just all so perfect. You can't imagine anyone else playing these roles, even though, I mean, because it's funny saying that now after we got Alden Ehrenreich playing Han Solo, but I'm kind of speaking more in terms of these characters together. I mean, that would yeah. be something really hard to pull off. If you were to do that, like if you were to remake Star Wars. And that was always a topic I remember having with some friends like back in the 90s when the special editions were coming out. If they were to remake Star Wars, would you be like, who would you cast now? I was like, that's impossible to do that. It's Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Is perfect. You just can't do it. The way they interact with each other, their chemistry, every scene they had together is just fantastic. <laughs> just, just knock it out of the park. So 
yeah. performance-wise, Lucas casting them is just everyone should be praised for what they did for bringing these iconic characters to life. Yeah, that's a good point because you can cast somebody as a young Han or a young Luke or a young Leia, but to get three actors that you know are all perfectly cast as their characters and then just have great chemistry together as a group, like they're probably maybe the most iconic trio of characters in movie history. Oh, easily. For, for me, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're biased, obviously, but still, you know, it, it's hard to think of another grouping of three characters that all, um, you know, are just so iconic as a group, not just as individual personalities, but that are all so great characters individually and then, you know, just have such great relationships and such great chemistry with each other and are just iconic as, like, three faces of a franchise. That's another reason why... I- I think makes a new hope special because it's really the only movie of the original trilogy. And of course now in the sequel trilogy where Han, Luke and Leia are together for a good portion of the film. Of course they'd start off on their own. They got to meet up, but in empire, we know they get separated and they, we lose Han at the end of that in Jedi, they have to rescue Han. And then they're only together for very little bit in the middle before Luke goes away. So this is a movie where they're just in it together a lot and they just have the most interaction. And that's what, uh, sets a new hope apart a little bit from the rest where you just got more Han and Luke and Leia together and it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, what's funny to me, I think the thing that makes this feel like an old movie from 1977 more than anything else, more than the, you know, just the look of the film or the special effects or anything like that is the hairstyles of these rebel pilots. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right I about like that. It. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying it's like the part of the movie that feels the most 1970s. You know what's funny? The whole fake wedge thing. Yeah. I never I I didn't even know existed until recently. Really? And I, I was like, oh, that's not that's not Dennis Lawson. Weird. Wait, what? That's, that's not. Like, yeah, that's go ahead. supposed to be Wedge, but that's not Dennis Lawson right there. Wait, the guy <laughs> sitting like, next to Luke. Yeah. yeah. That's supposed to be Wedge. Yep. Yes, that is so clearly not Wedge. <laughs> but I always thought it was. I always knew him to be Wedge. What? Wait, wait, wait. Yes. So is that just something you thought, or you're saying that that is it actually supposed to be Wedge in the story? Yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. to be Wedge. And they try to give it in the uh, certain from a certain point of view book. I forgot what they, but that what they call him fake Wedge. They make him make a joke <laughs> an in the universe joke, and they even really? re- yes, they <laughs> like, reference Wedge. Why? I don't know. Like, that's not even like if you can't get the actor playing Wedge to be there, like, it's not like that needs to be Wedge. There's no dialogue that refers to him as Wedge. Like, why not just have it be another random rebel pilot? Well, I think the voiceover is the same actor who voiced Wedge for the movie. So he voices him in that scene, too. So he does voice that Dennis Lawson does his voice, but it's not Dennis Lawson. See, I might be wrong here, but I think Dennis Lawson doesn't actually voice Wedge in the movie. I think it's an overdub. Shut up. I think what? because he sounds a lot different in Rogue Squadron, the Rogue Squadron game, number two, where he did the voice. And I thought I remember seeing that somewhere where he doesn't actually do the voice for Wedge. I could be wrong, but I don't remember. I think that's the case. But All I know is that's supposed to be Wedge, and I'm not yeah. sure if, if, if the canon version, I forgot from a certain point of view what it was exactly, but it definitely is supposed to be. In the movie, it's supposed to be Wedge. I'm not sure if it is still. I don't remember. Well, but in, we, in, we just in, in, went from talking about all the great casting in this movie to that catastrophe. 
but <laughs> it's not a catastrophe. It's just, it's just, it's, oh, I love that droid. Well, it's, just, it's a droid. goof. Eh, but well, it's, it's good. It's a good goof. I like it. It's just part of I the like it. Exactly. But then, of course, you know, Tim, Tim and I were talking about all the just the great quotable, memorable lines in this movie. And, of course, the number one out of all of them was Han saying, may the force be with you, which it's funny to think that, you know, Han Solo is the first character that says that line. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's because, you know, I think in every other movie, you know, you hear it from some Jedi character. Although you're not necessarily. I mean, like, Radis says it in, in Rogue One and... uh I think in Return of the Jedi, like Akbar says it, but still, it's something that's so associated, like with the Jedi and the Force. I love this addition to the special. <laughs> Keep saying the word addition twice. Me too. But, <laughs> but this is such a great moment. It's probably my favorite, as far as actual new inserted scenes here. Just seeing more of Biggs and Luke's friendship, and even Red Leader too. So just a cool little addition. Yeah, I, I've I've always liked this scene. And, you know, I, I didn't realize that that was Biggs was, you know, that person that, you know, it, it took a while. It took me years to figure out what was going on. It wasn't until like the books and I read the books and whatnot that I realized that, you know, these scenes, I believe these scenes are still in the in the book um, or some of the big stuff in any way. And just kind of, you know, reading the source material and, and just kind of a lot of stuff here in the in deleted scenes, you realize, oh, that's, you know, that's what this is missing and, and everything. So I always like that stuff. I actually... I actually really like the interaction between Luke and, and Biggs in the deleted scenes. I think those yeah. are fantastic. Like I, I don't like when I don't like it when uh, the the crew shows up and like the weird Cammy, even though she's beautiful, uh, Cammy shows up and be like, "Hey, Wormy." Yeah. Like, I, I I did not like that necessarily, but uh, but I love all the stuff between Luke and, and Biggs a lot. I think yeah. that's great. This shows a new. A different side of Luke that we didn't get to see in the yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is the mentor, like older friendship, uh, first like friend that he has that he looks up to. Where Han, kind of like is the exact opposite, where he just annoys Luke to no end. Yeah, <laughs> Biggs is probably what he wishes Han was, especially at this moment where Han's kind of turning their, his back on him, which Luke feels. So yeah, it's a great different side to see of Luke, which. You know, understand why it was cut, but it's still great that we got to see that in deleted scene form. Talk about a, an addition that you'd really see <laughs> differently if you watch the original cut, where you see the X wings and Y wings taking off. It just looks so great in that shot, but in the original cut, you just see these like little dots fly off <laughs> really <laughs> quickly into space. Man, this um, is such a cool shot. Yeah, it's another iconic one. Put it on the list. <laughs> And we've seen, you know, in our commentaries, we saw some great space battles, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One. And you guys have mentioned how Return of the Jedi has your favorite space battle. But this one right here, this is mine. I just love it so much because this might sound weird, but I love how small and intimate it is, but yet mm -hmm. still large yeah. in scale. It's a big yeah. battle, but we're just focusing on kind of a small band of rebel ships here, just all in one spot attacking the Death Star. And it just makes for some great visuals, some great action. I just love it so much. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't really, there's not really a space battle. I don't like, I like space battles for the most part. So the yeah. menace one is just disappointing. Cause it's, yeah. So oh, see, I even love that one. Like I, I don't love that. I don't hate mostly it just cause the Naboo starfighters are gorgeous. 
I just felt they were so underused, though. <laughs> yeah, agreed. They, they they are underused. Let's be real. Great Shots shot right here. That, yeah, that, yeah, great. Yeah. Again, this is the genius of George Lucas. He updated the movie so it still is fresh for the younger audience, and like it still holds up now. Yeah. Like it does not look bad. Yeah, and here's again. the thing. Again, I don't think it was just him trying to like keep the younger viewers engaged. Oh, it's but not. He thought it would yeah. be cool to be like. Hey, you guys that have liked Star Wars for all these years, like, how about I put some new stuff in it? You know, some cool stuff that hopefully people will like. And instead, you know, people just complained about a lot of it. But but there's you know definitely funny? some no good one, changes in here too. Not not everyone complains. Like only the old fans, like who are older than us or around our age, care about this. Everyone else doesn't give a crap about this. It seems like it's only a certain sect of fans that really want. The original versions of these movies whereas all the younger audiences like maybe like you kyle i'm assuming don't really care like you have to see the original version like eh because again like you grew up on this this is what they grew yeah. up on it still it still holds up is my point so it's like it's a certain sect of fans who want the original version and yes well they, they put out anything star wars they're gonna make a crap load of money poor porkins by the way um <laughs> and but at the same time this is just not it's it's just not needed necessarily, and if we, I think we're eventually going to get it eventually, but I don't need it. And look at that shot! How awesome! I is know. Slide through. I mean, if you go watch this scene in its original form, I mean, you got to give props to the special effects crew who you know did some revolutionary special effects work with the models and stuff. But you can tell how still how limited that was, and how they're slowly they're moving, and when you have the tools to you know make it look as good as it can be you get awesome shots like that and later on throughout the course of the space battle that just improves it so much i remember being blown away seeing the special edition in the theater for the first time and just how much they improved the space battle with how they how the ships look in cg and how they're maneuvering i mean shots like this the tie fighter following bigs i mean if you were to watch it the original one it's so slow <laughs> you just like, man how do we like how did it have that same effect as this one See, does, now i want to go back and watch the original version just so i can compare the two because again i grew up watching i think it was the original version on on vhs like i don't remember i don't know if george made any changes to it for like for that first vhs release but it was before the special editions came out but when the special edition came out in theaters that was 97 so i was six so I was more just excited to be watching Star Wars on the big screen, but I probably, like, didn't pick up on all these little changes. I remember Jabba being a new thing and, like, a couple of the other things, but, you know, just extra shots here and there in the space battle. I don't think I was quite, like, savvy enough to pick up on those yet. I was in high school, and I remember I'm going to I'm going to admit something on this on this uh, commentary that uh, I don't think I've ever really talked about. So this is this is groundbreaking stuff. <laughs> oh speaking boy. of speaking of when that happened, I remember I was a uh, I was quite an overweight kid and I, I, I was a freshman in high school in 96 and uh, we had to take swimming lessons in PE and I was so just terrified of taking off my shirt and the get in the pool. and I was like, oh, my God. And I remember just being like so petrified and I just ended up going into my going in a shirt anyway. I was like, forget it. And I was so freaked out. And you know what got me through the day was thinking about going to see Star Wars with my older brother that night. <laughs> Dude, that's and, awesome. and this and this is and this is what we saw. It was opening night of the re-releases. And it started a tradition that my brother and I go see Star Wars together for the first time always. And it's uh it's we've kept it up forever. You know, so it's been a, a great tradition, and it started. It started on that night with this movie, so uh, it was yeah. So it, it, it's it's a very cool thing for us. So uh, 
Yeah, I just but I, I always will remember that 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 version specifically that I had to jump in the pool and I was so embarrassed and I hated it. I hated it. Oh god, I hated it, man. I'm thinking about it now. It's like, oh man, it brings back lots of emotions. Mm-hmm. Y wings are beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, no, it just it always remember that when you talk about the when you saw it in '96, Cal. I always think back of that time of being petrified to jump in the pool in front of everyone. But yet, Star Wars makes everything better. So yeah, it really, really does. Look forward to. It. Yeah, that's exactly. No! <laughs> One down, many more to go. <laughs> Maneuver! Show them you can do more than this instead but of staying so on slow. target. Don't be staying on target. You're making uh, everyone think you're slow. I've always hated that Rebel pilot. You would know how hard these Y Wings are to maneuver, Paul, if you ever played Starfighter Assault in Battlefront, but no. <laughs> Not their fault. They have, a, they have a mission, you jerk. No! <laughs> that guy, he's all telling him, stay on target, stay on target. The minute the other pilots get blown up, he immediately leaves the trench <laughs> to try to escape, and he gets shot down. Yeah, like, those sideburns are incredible. Those are <laughs> legit. <laughs> like, seriously. Why doesn't more people need sideburns? Sideburns are amazing. I had sideburns, not quite as long as that. Before I started growing my beard out, I always made sure I had a decent length sideburns. By the way, did you kept the beard? It's still here. And a boy, you look great with the beard. I love beards. I tell, I keep telling Justin to keep the beard. And he just shaved his off. Uh, much, so you got to keep the Jedi that. look up. That'll be one Jedi uh, beard look. You know, he's all about the Imperials. They don't have beards. That's true. Yeah. Well, at least I don't think a lot of them do. Do they? Does anyone have beards in the Empire? I don't, I don't think, so. think so. The closest we've so like got the is Yankees. Callus. Yeah, I was just saying, like the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. No wonder you love the Empire. <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> wow. I see. See, uh, again, why I love the space battle so much. You got these great dogfights in the beginning. You had, you know, Luke being chased by a TIE fighter. Biggs comes and help him. Luke saves Biggs. All that stuff, great. Then you get a trench run where they're trying to blow up the Death Star. The scenery is, like, the visuals different as they're going through the trench, evading TIE fighters. Just, that tension you get when the TIE fighters are behind the X-Wings, wondering, you know, if they're going to be able to blow it up before the TIE fighters shoot them down. Just all that stuff adds to why I love the space battle so much. It's so unique. Yeah. No, so I, I, I love the... And it's weird because w- with all the other space battles we have, it's almost hard to call this part a space battle because it's like three ships chasing three ships in a straight line. Mm-hmm. But just, yeah, like you said, just the tension and the stakes and what they're trying to accomplish. Like, I love the trench run. It's my favorite part of this space battle. My favorite part of the space battle is when the Y-Wings show up. And they're already over and done with. <laughs> yep. So there's one left. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's one or two floating around somewhere. Cause there's you see one. You don't see it until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's off screen destroying things and no one can see it. And it's sad. Yeah. It's like, where I, the heck was that guy? I He's like doing how a bombing run. Muppet baby scene. Was Muppet, that was, by the way, that was Muppet Baby scene. If you guys remember the Muppet yeah, Baby. Yeah, that's right. Show. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to interrupt. You. I was going to say before he blew up, I always found it interesting that Red Leader's helmet, it looks like he has the Imperial insignia on his helmet. Yeah, huh. you're right. Yeah. By the way, I'll never forget uh, General Dodonna, uh, right? Is that who yeah. I think it is? Yeah. Yeah. I remember in the in the uh, comic that takes place right after this in the Princess Leia comic, he's like, you know, Leia's out there, you know, with him. They're you know looking over everything, and after they get it, they get they do the uh, the medal ceremony. He's like, Princess Leia, you cannot leave this planet. You are staying in your room. You're too valuable to us. It's like, 
What? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, tr- right. I try to forget about it. It's so bad. Yeah, I remember you not being the biggest fan of it. Uh, you know what's? Oh, sorry. You know, I was gonna say. You know, it's interesting though about this scene and the way that it's edited. Um, when Big says something about like, you know, oh, Luke, we're going in, or they're coming in much faster this time. There were like in the original script, I guess. Um, they make this trench run twice. Like, and there's a couple lines of dialogue in here that are still left over from it where, like, they make the trench run once and I think Luke fires at the end and misses and then they circle around and do it again. And that's why, you know, there's a couple lines in there where it's like, oh, they're coming in much faster this time. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was all just tightened up into one thing in the editing room. But it's interesting for that, too. Oh, yeah. It's like it's interesting thing how much different it could have been in the beginning. But it's like this obviously works so much better. It would have been lame if Luke missed the first time because, you know, <laughs> blowing up the Death Star was like his claim to fame at this point. It was like, eh, on the second try, <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Such a bummer when Biggs dies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just imagine what Luke's feeling right there. I mean, he knows what he has to do, but he just lost his best friend, his only friend that he had. He doesn't know it yet, but his father killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. My dad killed my father. He tried to kill me. It's just kind of weird. Because the TIE fighter pilots definitely didn't show their competence in this movie. They were taking down rebel fighters left and right. Well, yeah, until Han shoots near one of them and he's like, look out, Vader, coming in. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta hand it to the fact that, you know, after you have a, a lightsaber battle with the mentor character, they never, like, it's not... The, you know, it's such an anti-Hollywood idea even then because they have a lightsaber battle with the mentor character. He dies and the bad guy is in a ship instead of like, you know, yeah. in his main weapon. It's just such an anti like idea for like a, a mainstream film. It's crazy. So it makes it awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's so brilliant. I feel bad for Cezupio there because if Luke says he, we lost R2. He gives that look of worry, but no one pays attention to him. Like, Leia doesn't even look at it to show, like, concern or sympathy. Didn't she just look at yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I but mean, they do like have the... slightly bigger concerns at the moment. He's like, I lost R2. Okay, that sucks, like, but are you going to get little... to blow up the Death Star? He's looking for a little, you know, compassion, sympathy right there. Someone I, could... I'm with Kyle. I mean, like, they are, <laughs> they are in fear they're all going to die here in a second. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for 3 people, but I also understand why nobody else is as concerned <laughs> as he is. <laughs> Woo! Uh, what... One of my favorite Star Wars moments right here. I just love yep. everything about it. It's uh, somewhat powering when you see Luke determined to do what he's doing without the use of the target computer, relying on the Force. But then he gets help from an unlikely source from Han Solo we thought left, that he does the impossible. Just, I love I love his reaction after he gets it in. Like It's yes. a reacted moment by Mark Hamill, man. I yeah. love that you bring that up. It's like, almost like a sense of relief. <laughs> like, yes. I did it. Yeah, I just uh, it's it's perfect. It really is perfect. See, one thing I remember about even I say I don't remember watching a New Hope for the first time, but I do remember or just always felt like how surprised when Han came back or just because I always remember thinking why I love that scene so much where I didn't expect Han to come back and help, and I love that Lucas decided to do that for the story to show that you know what a good character he is and how much you know he already views Luke as a friend to go back and help him and again it's, it's weird it might sound weird to explain it where I don't remember watching it for the first time but I always had that feeling of remembering how happy I was seeing Han come back 
and help out Luke there. Just brilliant I, way to bring him back in and, and that climactic battle. I also love the fact that the first thing he talks about is taking a reward. So he still expects money. That's what's so great about it. He's like, I think you can take the reward all by, by yourself. Like, he wants more money. I love it. Yeah, but I think, I think that it, that was also kind of a jab like it is it is but yeah. i think he's kind of half joking too to be honest I, I he obviously cares about his friend and it's the start of a beautiful relationship but i think he's also in his mind like oh, there's money looks for money too you know so that's true you know maybe they're flying away and chewy went she's rich yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> i do remember reading for legends that chewy was the kind of the main one who talked him back yeah, into going I, back. Right, yeah. I mean that wouldn't surprise me i mean chewy's always yeah. kind of his voice of yeah. reason yeah, you're right. But, you know, and you know, to going back to what you said about the binary sunset earlier, Tim. This is my favorite piece of Star Wars music. This is great. Yeah, I can understand why. Yeah, it's fantastic. Know, and I have to say, with I really like the fact that Marvel Comics really kept the yellow jacket going for a long time in the yeah. uh, ongoing series, and I like that. I thought that was cool. I, yeah. I love that yellow jacket. Yeah, it's a great book. Ooh, you know what? I wonder if. Have you read it, Cal? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not thinking about the comics. Sorry. They and we'll talk. We can talk about this on our next episode too. They recently teased in the new stuff that's coming out for Battlefront. They said there's a new uh, a new character appearance that's coming like next month or something. And they said we can't reveal what it is yet, but we have a feeling that fans of a New Hope and Luke Skywalker will be happy. And I know a lot of people have been guessing that it's uh, maybe going to be just farm like farm boy Luke. But now I'm like, well, but I'm thinking uh, like a lot of people have been wanting this outfit with him in the jacket, too. And that would be pretty cool. I mean, it would would make more sense because farm boy Luke wouldn't be running around with a lightsaber. Yeah, but there's a lot of outfits that don't make sense in the the running around, you know, I mean, here's the deal. I, I would. I'd take Bespin Luke too, you know. I mean, well, like, yeah. give me. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Give me, give me all of it. Give me all the, give me all the outfits. Which, by the way, I was playing uh, Heroes and Villains the other day. It was so much fun. Can we, guys? But and this, this is like not really commentary related, but I don't care. It's our show. I want to play Heroes and Villains with you guys soon. So let's make some time for that, okay? Heck yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, and I Paul, done. I know it doesn't always work for you, but we need to get on and play some Capital Supremacy too. I've been having so much fun with no, that. No, I, I, I've been having fun with it too. Yeah, that's just, all I've been playing lately. So, but it, the problem is my 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 internet isn't always like the it's it's kind of janky a little yeah. bit. But but be honest, I love playing on the other planets besides Geonosis. Geonosis, I don't like. In fact, that was the wrong planet to put out first. Okay, this is not the time and place for us. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk more about this later, especially because there is some more Battlefront news that we'll cover on our next episode. So we'll get to that. But I hope but it's I typical hope. for us to end our New Hope commentary on Battlefront. <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> just it, you know it, it's typical for us to inject Battlefront into anything. But I just I just know our next episode is probably going to be like four hours long. So probably. Yeah, it's Probably. gonna be it's gonna depending be on how much stuff we get revealed at D twenty three. But well, we know there's gonna be both both Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker stuff. But yeah. coming back to a New Hope, um, oh, do we have to? Oh, to I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you guys suck. Um, no, this was fun. I mean, it, again, I hadn't watched this one in a while, but I always feel like. Uh, you know, watching them with you guys and talking about it, it's kind of like not watching it for the first time, but it's just, you know, it's a fun way to watch the movies that I haven't done before. And I like hearing you guys' perspectives on it and just kind of chatting through it, even when Paul decides to dip out for half the movie. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is cool. And it's again, this is one of those movies that like it may not be my favorite Star Wars movie anymore just because I feel like I have such an appreciation for the way that George like took his initial ideas that worked so well and then expanded on it from there. And I think, um, you know, every other star Wars movie just has stuff that's done bigger and better. But at the same time, this one will always hold a special place in my heart. And I think in the hearts of star Wars fans in general, as just being the one that like, this is where it all started. Um, and like I said, like when we do our eventually do our ranking of our favorite Star Wars movies, which, by the way, I've been thinking about a lot lately and I'm really looking forward to um, doing me. that, <laughs> doing that episode after Rise of Skywalker comes out. And when we're done with all these commentaries, that's going to be a fun episode. But like A New Hope for me is always going to have like kind of an honorary top spot. Like it's not it, it won't be my favorite. It won't even probably be in my top three. But at the same time, it's like I got to give this one props for being the one where it all started. And this will always be, uh, you know, the granddaddy of Star Wars. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, this is this is by far, you know, one of the most important movies ever made. And it is the start of what has brought all three of us together and and so many other friends. And it is an it's an important it's an important piece of, of history for me and it, it always be in that regard, but it's not again in, in, in the everything of Star Wars that is that is very important to me. It's not one of my more favorite things. And and again, it's just because it's mostly because I didn't grow up with it like a lot of other people did. And it wasn't my first Star Wars movie. It was my third Star Wars movie. And it's it, it, it always will have that uniqueness of being the first prequel in all seriousness. That's what I consider it. And it always it always be kind of special to me, but at the same time, it just doesn't have quite the 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 the, uh, the power as the other films do, you know. So this might sound weird, but part of me feels that a new hope is kind of an underrated Star Wars movie, so to speak. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear me out, because when we talk about the original trilogy. You know, Empire is regarded as the best of the trilogy and the best Star Wars movie for a lot of people. And yeah. even recently, Return of the Jedi has been gotten a lot more talk about being a lot of fans' favorites amongst the original trilogy and the favorite Star Wars movie in general. You don't hear that a lot about A New Hope. And then, of course, um, since then, with the prequels, you hear talk about Revenge of the Sith and how great that is. And now we're in the sequel trilogy era, so that dominates a lot of the conversation as far as Star Wars. So it kind of feels like maybe... Underrated was the wrong word, but it kind of I should say a new hope gets lost in the shuffle. I think sometimes when you talk about Star Wars, and it's weird to say I know it because it is the first movie it started it all. We all love it. That goes without saying, but sometimes I feel it kind of gets forgotten about a little bit. And then when you watch it again, you just that magic comes back like that. You just realize how special it is and just how why we fell in love with Star Wars in the first place when we watched a new hope. It's what hooked yeah. so many people i can't say every star wars fan because you know as you said paul like you and so many others different star wars movies are different fans introduction into the saga and they go back and watch the other movies depending on which one they start with but for a good amount of fans this is the one that started it all and what got them hooked into star wars and of course since then i agree with you guys it's not my number one favorite star wars movie i mean we got empire we got revenge of the sith since then that to me rank over above it but yeah i still probably have it placed at number three 
as my wow. my rankings. And you know how hard it is for me to be ranking all of them. We, That's why I said I'm we, not looking forward to it when we do that are episode. We, yeah, are we, yeah, we're going to do that after Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah, yes. of course. But this, yeah, because this is going to rank pretty. High. I mean, again, the the schedule is going to be like, at least if we keep to how we're doing it right now, the, our last Jedi commentary should be out like early December, and then we'll watch the Rise of Skywalker when it comes out towards the end of December, and then I'm thinking, you know, obviously we'll do our big, huge just review episode of that, and then I'm sure we're going to go see it in the theater several more times, and so that'll probably, be a day long, probably yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, probably like January or maybe February, like early 2020, we'll do our ranking of all all will be 10 no 11 yeah it'll be 11 star wars films by that point and then um, and then when it comes out on video we'll we'll do a commentary on that oh of course oh, of course that's gonna be that's gonna be oh, but oh. we just you know we can't do our ranking after seeing rise of skywalker for the first time you gotta give it some time uh, to set yeah. in so oh well, for sure um but yeah i mean i you know i i agree with uh especially a lot of what you said tim like it and that was kind of what I was getting at is like, um, I don't know that I would say this is underrated, but it's like Star Wars has grown and expanded so much since A New Hope yeah. came out that sometimes it is easy to forget how great just the original one is. Um, and also just kind of going back to something we were talking about earlier uh, with like Obi-Wan talking about the Clone Wars and stuff. George Lucas really did do an excellent job of planting a lot of seeds in this movie that allow for the expansion of the story and making you feel like this takes place in a bigger universe that is lived in and has a lot of characters and a lot of different diverse cultures and alien races and a lot of history and a lot of stuff that's happened. And it doesn't feel like a self-contained story that then made a lot of money and they went, Hey, you want to make us another one so that we can make some more money. And then George made up empire strikes back. Like empire strikes back feels like a natural progression of the story because george made an initial story that felt like it had so much more room to grow like Mm -hmm. and and he could have stopped after a new hope and i still think this would have been just one of the greatest you know just standalone sci-fi blockbusters ever but it also you know he just it, it left it with so much more room to grow um and then of course did make it grow and expand and just took it beyond uh, what any of us initially thought it could be. Yeah, without question. I mean, it's a special movie in its own right, but you said it perfectly. It's just grown to so much more <laughs> than uh, what we first saw in this film, even though what we saw is great, but who could have predicted that even more great stuff would be on the horizon <laughs> after just this one movie? It's kind of crazy to think about all the stuff we've gotten since A New Hope. I mean, even though we weren't alive when it came out in 1977, just knowing this groundbreaking film came out just the most popular thing ever during that time and then the stuff that came out afterwards you know many more movies animated tv shows that are up there up there as as high quality almost as the film so just so much great stuff came out of this one film from 1977 and it just gets better and better just as the universe grows and he just like i said throughout the commentary when you could put everything into context and you see certain scenes have new meaning or you can look back at uh, different things you've seen in prequels or sequels later on when you watch a new hope it just makes it that much more better and it's just great that star wars has become that yeah definitely um well yeah so that is our commentary on a new hope um hope you guys enjoyed it 
um as always this was just another fun one um i always enjoy doing this with you guys and i'm glad that we get you know so many reactions from people on twitter and stuff that um enjoy listening uh to these along with us and uh hope you guys have enjoyed this one as much as we have um but as always uh you know you can follow us on twitter at star wars tsc check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues uh, you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com and you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com um, if you want to share your thoughts or stories or memories with us about A New Hope or just any uh, thoughts or comments or questions about Star Wars in general that you want to have us read on the show. Those are the ways you can reach out to us. Um, and of course, be sure to check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, but that's going to do it for us for now. Um, but we will be back, I'm sure, very soon with another episode because, again, D23 is coming up this weekend and we're going to have a lot of uh, big Star Wars news coming out, I'm sure. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, until then, we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels!